Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands and today it's the WNR 364, the monthly catch-up with NXT UK, the WWE Network. And I'm not alone, I have a pleasure to be joined by the WNR. Dan, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, thank you very much. I've been uh, working hard and hardly working. So, <laughs> Well, like I said, this is the, the second one of three that we are doing in a row. Uh, and before we start anywhere, we did have some sad news uh, that Del Wilkes, known to W fans as a patriot, has passed away at the age of 59. For making a name for himself in the squared circle, he was a standout in the football field for the University of South Carolina, where he had the distinction of being voted to consensus All-American. Whilst making the switch to sports entertainment, Wilkes competed in the, over the world, arriving in WWE in 97 as a patriot. Superstar quickly on the rise, the patriot proudly donned the red, white and blue of America in the midst of rivalry with Hart Foundation, leading to a memorable match against Bret Hart for the WWE Championship at the In Your House Grand Zero, just two months after his debut. And of course, uh, he will be missed. Maybe not a guy who was well known to everybody, but he actually came out to Kurt Angle's music as well as like the all-American patriot and unfortunately gone soon. Uh, but we pick ourselves up and we start with the WWE Network. So all month, WWE have been celebrating 50 years of tag teams. They put up a second series of top 50, feet, top 50 featured tag teams. So let's get to it. Yeah, so the first series was about the women. And now this is about tag teams and Breeze Zanger in the WWE Warehouse with various versions of the WWE titles on display. They have done some ground rules. They only be tag with a re. So Harlem Heat and the Hollywood Blondes are out. That's probably for the best of this celebration of 50 years of WWE tag teams. Again, this is just a list of WWE-only tag teams. The criteria for the list is title reigns, reign longevity, and cultural impact. So let's start the top 50 with the Bushwhackers. The WWE Hall of Famers debuted December of 1988. They first gained notoriety as the Sheep Herders before coming to WWE in 88. They quickly became fan favourites in the WWE and were wonderful as an opening card act as they were beloved by the fans and I'm sure the WWE style was much easier on them than what they were doing as sheep herders. Their Hall of Fame speech was great too. Yeah, without a doubt, the Bushwhackers, one of the funniest teams. I mean, you got any memories of Luke and Butch going around licking wrestlers? Luke and Butch, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the only thing I remember about the Bushwhackers was the way they used to walk to the <laughs> ring. They used to go around licking bald heads and, you know, I think it's the memorable exit from the Royal Rumble that gets me every time. He, uh, I think it was Luke just marched to the ring, walked all the way through the ring, got thrown out the other side and carried on his march all the way back up the aisle and back home again. And it's weird, the Bushwhackers are kind of hardcore team. Like I said, the Sheep Herders were known for hardcore violent matches and the complete opposite in WWE, the kind of family friendly. Up next, number 49, two cool WWE Tag Team Champions debuted March of 1998 and 10 years later, another fun-loving tag team debuted. It was become a solid opening match. Worm was crazy over during the Attitude Era and so was the dancing R.I. IP Grandmaster Sexy. And unless you're around during this time, it's hard to explain how over these two got, especially with Rikishi. It was, it was unbelievable, Dan, wasn't Indeed, it? again. So what memories do you have of two cool, James? Well, like I said, the, the Royal Rumble 2000, when the match itself got stopped for the dance-off between all three and Rikishi, unfortunately eliminating. But like I said, two cool, so over, actually becoming tag team champions during that run as well. And of course, unfortunately, we lost Grandmaster Sexy, but Scott Taylor is now a coach in NXT. Number 48 is the Quebecers, a three-time WWE Tag Team Champions, debuted in July 93. And you played a theme song, We're Not the Mounties. They took the tag titles from the Steiners due to Quebec province rules. That was great. Woo! 
Johnny Polo, these guys were great and they had some fantastic double team moves. Yeah, without a doubt, of course, Johnny Polo they, uh, turned into Raven in ECW as well as a manager, Lena Q. Beckers. Uh, very fun and maybe, you know, like we talk about during that time as well in 93, a really, really good tag team. Number 47, the Smoking Guns, such an underrated tag team here. Three time W Tag Team Champions deb- debuted in April of uh, 96. And you could make a case that it's probably a bit low as they carried a division for a few years. Sure, the division wasn't great, but they did all they could. Um, some of the arenas they used for Raw in the early to mid-90s as well. They're basically like gyms. But good pop from when they've got some Owen and Yoko. And again, they dominated the tag team scene for about a three-year period. Of course, Billy and Bart. And they were pretty successful. I mean, imagine like a 90s version of Adam Page. And that's kind of what you're working with there. With Smoke Guns, of course, Billy Gunn uh, may be reappearing on this list at some point. Possibly, yes. And number 46 was Strike Force. WWE Tag Team Champions debuted in 87. Rick Martel was getting beaten down by the Islanders and Tito Santana made the sale. And thus, a tag team was born. They ended the reign of the Hart Foundation during the golden age of the tag team wrestling in the WWE. And again, crowd pops for title changes are always fun. And they were a great team. And number 45, the Hedge Shrinkers, debuted October 92. Samoa Fatu were AFA as their manager. Um, the Samoan Wrestling Dynasty in the first memory. Uh, the hard-hit match with the Steiners at WrestleMania 9. Of course, Dan's favourite, WrestleMania. The Shrinkers ended the reign of the Quebecers to a massive pop. Fatu would go on to become Rikishi. Of course, was inducted to the WWE Hall of Fame. Well, yeah, this was really early Rikishi. And again, you know, the great tag team match against the Steiners. At WrestleMania, the greatest WrestleMania of all time. <laughs> Number 44, X-Pac and Kane, WWE Hall of Famers, two-time WWE Tag Team Champions. Again, the disrespect to, well, really just about every team listed below them. I mean, yeah, they're both Hall of Famers, but not because this team it is a good pairing and made for a fun feud, but when the team ended. Let's not get crazy. They even mentioned in the package that they weren't a tag team for very long. Yeah, it's about April of 99. They became official tag team, won the gold. And I think December of 99, November 99. Uh, no, it's December, sorry, when um, X-Buck turned on Kane and rejoined uh, DX. They had a really fun feud with Tory involved as well. And Kane and X-Buck, this is all about Kane finding his personal character as well, becoming more human, which X-Buck brought out of him. And of course, turning Kane the process. And I would dare to say, yes, this may be high on the list, but when you look at the impact it had on Kane as a, from a monster to a more personal uh, guy as he is now, I think it did well. Number 43 is Evolution, Batista and Ric Flair, two-time WWE Tag Team Champions, W January 2003. A uh, pair of Big David Flair was a genius move as a man just soaked up everything he could and learned on a job for the master. They won the world titles at Armageddon. The show that closed with all four members of Evolution holding WWE gold. But again, would you argue this wasn't really a proper tag team or during that time, you, you know, you've got to give them credit where credit's due? Well, I think, you know, as part of uh, as a stable, they did kind of do the... Uh undisputed era thing of holding all the gold so you know they kind of did have ambitions and it was kind of the wisest thing to do having Batista and Flair as a tag team Triple H as a champ and Randy as the kind of IC holder so I think that was yeah I think it was a good and they're not trying to play it off on the free bell they're just kind of like these two were the tag team this was the IC champ this was heavyweight so yeah I'm happy doing that up next up next is number 42 and it's Eminem Three-time WWE Tag Team Champions, OVW Tag Team Champions, and nice. I'm assuming we'll see Morrison again on this list. They started the team in OVW, and let us hear Jim Cornette on commentary. 
The team was ready for prime time and got the call to SmackDown where they had a wonderful run where Mercury's face exploded is a great match. That is mostly remembered for Mercury's face exploding. Yeah, I think that. Uh, but I think Eminem during that time didn't. The problem with some tag teams on this list and what we're going to see is that during that time with Eminem, where they were so good, they didn't have them teams to feud off. You know, they might have had Kendrick and London, maybe a couple others. But you know, like you said, and when you look at the golden generation of tag teams, we had like five or six great teams. I think Eminem could definitely have been somewhere with them. I think they were a great tag team myself. Have you got memories of uh, Mercury Nitro? Um, with Eminem, I. I really did like the uh, the way they done their entrance, you know, the kind of uh, the paparazzi kind of thing. I thought that was good. You know, they was I think they was both really talented guys as well. Um, you know, with uh, Nitro, I think he went on to bigger and better things. With Mercury, unfortunately, kind of personal demons yeah, yeah, yeah. hampered him somewhat in the ring. But yeah, you know, I thought that was a great team. Uh, seeing Melina coming out as well was always a delight. We should mention Melina. That is great. Uh, number 41, the Nasty Boys, W Tag Team Champions. Three-time WWE Tag Team Championship. The Nasty Boys were a fascinating story. So got over a huge red tag match against the Stylers in WCW. And WWE immediately stole them because WWE didn't lock them up. As not mentioned here, apparently they went from Florida Championship Wrestling to WWE. In short order, they scored the upset win over the Hart Foundation to win the titles at WrestleMania 7. And if you count WCW run, they should be much Higher, but the Nasty Boys again, uh, another good Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags. What were you a fan of? Were you more a fan of Sags or Nobbs? I'm, I'm a huge fan of Nobbs. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think Big Nobbs does it does it for me. Um, would I let him hit the pit stop on me? Possibly, possibly not, depending yeah. on what kind of mood I was in. Uh, up next, Dan. Up next, James, number 40, rated RKO. WWE Tag Team Champions, and they debuted in October of 2006. Six. And wait a second, I mean, they are both great, but again, two great singles wrestlers together for a short time doesn't make a legendary tag team. No way should they be above the Nasty Boys, Guns, Quebecers, etc. Again, you know, well, especially with Randy Orton, these are two of my favourite wrestlers of all time. But just know, if this team makes it, then Edge may show up on the list quite a few times. I, of course, mentioned a temporary reunion re- years later that would lead to their feud last year. Yeah, so, I mean, rated RK, Dan, what were your thoughts on them as a team? I thought they was actually quite a good tag team. They made a really good pair in. I think they both worked really well, certainly better than RK Bro. Well, we might see them on the list, you never know. Up next, number 39, Brian Kendrick and Paul London, two-time WWE Tag Team Champions, debuted September of 05. They were a fun team with unique style. They had a sweet rivalry with Eminem. They had to live some quality matches, including them taking the titles off them. They then held them for 334 days, which nobody topped until the new day in 2016. So 334 days. Yeah, that is an awesome reign. Like I said, during that time, just there wasn't enough tag teams. It was like you had like the dicks, and you had like you know people like that who just weren't <laughs> good. It, juice and Domino, you know, it just wasn't at that stage, unfortunately. Well, up next, 38, and this is going to be quite a surprising one. It is DIY. And they were NXT Tag Team Champions, debuted in September of 2015. And yes, good on them for including NXT teams. They debuted during the first Dusty Classic and then again in the Cruiserweight Classic. Man, that's something they need to bring back is that tournament. It was one of the greatest things. We absolutely loved it. I think the uh, the rivalry we had when we picked a couple of wrestlers as well was great. 
DIY win the NXT Tag Team Titles from the Revival is one of the greatest matches you will ever see at NXT TakeOver Toronto. You think all this Young Bucks shit is good. You see the Revivals and DIY tearing the house down. Just have banger after banger before turning on each other and giving us probably the greatest rivalry in NXT history with classic after classic. I just want them back together again so they can turn on each other again just so we can do this all over again because if they'd done that on Raw or SmackDown, that would get fucking views out yeah. of the water. Without a doubt, there's no doubt. And I mean, of course, the DIY part, the reason why we do the Johnny Gagano war for most punishment taken in the match as well, coming against the Authors of Pain at the match, with that turn happening, of course. Uh, fantastic tag team, there's no doubt about it. Uh, number 37, the world's greatest tag team, two-time W Tag Team Champions W, December of 2002. This team was fantastic. The run with Kurt Angle was perfect. Uh, it was just such a smooth fit for SmackDown. Those tracksuits are still awesome right now. Uh, they soon were fired by Kurt Angle and the world's greatest tag team was formed. Great team that's forgotten sometimes. Of course, Shelton's still kicking it on Raw, fresh off another run with tag champion with Cedric Alexander. But I told the greatest tag team at Vengeance. I think 2003... Uh, versus Rey Mysterio and Billy Kidman is one of the greatest tag teams. Again, it's not another tag team that would not be on this list, but these two teams that night just meshed perfectly. Absolutely, yeah. Um, with the world's greatest tag team, I think they, they suited Kurt Angle down to the ground. I think, you know, they they certainly kind of helped him out. You know, he didn't need the help, but they helped him as opposed to hindering him. Um, and Charlie Haas, what's he doing? You mentioned. Uh, I sent you a picture Charlie. the other day, didn't I? Charlie oh, no, Haas, yeah. my God, I'll share that on uh, Twitter and the social media and all that. Lot. It, it's been tough since Jackie he, left him. He's fallen on hard times, <laughs> yeah. bless him. Up next, 36, and one of my personal favourite tag teams, Money Incorporated, three time WWE tag team champions, debuted in February of 92. And it's perfect pairing of a millionaire with an accountant. And WWE was great at taking two guys that were near the back end of their careers, putting them together to get some more years from them. They touch on the fact that Money Incorporated facing Hogan and Beefcake at Mania 9, again, was probably the highest mark for the team as far as the highest profile match. And back to Breeze Ango, as Breeze questions why DiBiossi would be friends with an accountant, and Breeze mentioned you keep your enemies close. <laughs> well, we go into the next show at uh, number 35, we've got Jerry Show, Chris Jericho, and the Big Show, W Tag Team Champions, debut July of 09. Another team thrown together, and both guys are currently in AEW, which actually gives us hope that the revival could pop up. Um, funny, the show, Jericho announced the Big Show as his new partner for a match inside the ring as one of their opponents is Cody Rhodes. The story is that Jericho needed a new partner off for Edge Toys Achilles. The main thing I remember from their run was a few with DX, though apparently Shaq was involved as well. And JR Soundbites here. This is basically an AEW block. I also remember them getting their tag titles back from DX on the same night. TNA kick-started their attempt at recreating the Monday Night War. That must have been January of 09. Uh, Jerry showed Dan, did they leave a lasting impact on you? Um, I think they did. I think the biggest one I remember was... Oh, no, that was Show Miz. Sorry. I mean, <laughs> they, they, they all mesh like, you know, Big Show. I think he's teamed up with quite a few wrestlers. I'm sure he's not going to be the uh, first feature on the night. But yeah, show me is, I think, Jericho with his talking and the big show with his size, kind of. And the hot tag worked well between them two. Their styles worked well. And yeah, you know, anything you put Jericho with, I think he could actually smash it. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, 34, the Natural Disasters, WWE Tag Team Champions, debuted July 91. This was a perfect pairing that added more years to Quake's WWE run and helped Typhoon get past his tugboat run. 
The high point for the team was successfully defending the tag titles at SummerSlam 92 in Wembley Stadium. They deserve to be on the list, but I still think not as high as they are. There's, uh, you know, the smoking guns and the nasty boys would definitely be higher. Oh, yeah, that's fair to say. Number 33, the Street Profits, Raw and SmackDown Tag Team and NXT Champions. Uh, when they do this list again in five to ten years, these two are going to be much higher. Probably made case of them being higher based on their resume. Um, the, course, the SmackDown Championship Champions is kind of cheap as they just took their Raw titles to SmackDown and they just switched the belts. But still, it worked out. Big fan of the Profits and they're the MVPs of the tag division during the pandemic era. Seems that the Profits are the second triple crown tag team champions. And Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins are two great talents and I expect a lot of things like from them. Yeah, we admired them both quite well uh, during their time in NXT. Not sure about their gimmick, but... You know, it's, it's, I, gro- it's definitely grown on me in the past, you know, few. But I've I've kind of taken their gimmick out of the way and kind of just focus on what they can do in the ring. And aside from their over the top showboating, I think their wrestling ability certainly is up there. Number thirty two is the Briscoe Brothers, Hall of Famers, three time NWA World Tag Champions, not the Ring of Honor ones, obviously. Some great old school footage with this package as they show them battling the Funks, Road Warriors, Steamboat, Young Blood. Uh, the Briscoe brothers had a heated rivalry with Adrian Adonis and Dick Murdoch in the WWE, so this basically confirms that they must have appeared in WWE. But what they did outside WWE also counts. And just as note, Fandango and Breeze show up then and have fun with items in the warehouse. While assuming I haven't recapped them, this was one was too good to pass up as Breeze is sporting a Rowan Lamb mask, and each man is trying to is tying trying to Warhammer and. I can't and can't do so. Breeze was saying, I knew Harper was special, gave me all the feels. Kudos to those in WWE for this nice little moment as they didn't have to throw that in there. Yeah, without a doubt. It was lovely because up next, number 31, Harper and Rowan. SmackDown Tag Team Champions, NXT Tag Team Champions. This team was great. No, I wanted to call them, but then again, we were a massive sucker for the Wyatt family. The team started NXT as follows as Bray, with Luke being the first son of the Wyatt family and, of course, Rowan the second. We saw the Raw debut when they attacked Kane and then the greatness that was a short feud with the Shield. That six-man elimination chamber is probably one of my favourite matches of all time. After a brief run of singles, he reunited the Bludgeon Brothers and won the SmackDown titles at WrestleMania. I couldn't help but smile during all this just because of the Harper footage. It was a real touch for WWE and of course they deserve to be on this list as well, Dan, don't they? Absolutely, yeah. They was uh, a great tag team together, Harper and Rowan. Um, when they returned as the Bludgeon Brothers... They seemed absolutely unstoppable. Uh, and as members of the Wyatt family as well, I think kind of more of the focus was on Bray Wyatt when they was Wyatt family members as opposed to when they was the Bludgeon Brothers. It was just them two. And yeah. you could kind of get a grasp and a feel for what that was all about. Up next, number 30, the British Bulldog and Owen Hart. WWE Tag Team Champions debuted March 96. And sure, get me smiling with half the footage then follow it with some Owen Hart footage. Uh, all the fills and smiles. They even tossed in a cameo by Brian Pillman in the package. Owen and Bulldog won the tag titles from the Smoking Guns at Mind Games. A man was sunny a smoke show back then. Owen always ducking in front of Bulldog to mug for the <laughs> camera was amazing. The team seemed to be on the voting, but Bret Hart was made made peace in a wonderful segment that showed America what real family values were all about. And this, yeah, fantastic. You know, Bulldog and uh, Owen. Definitely deserve to be on this list. One of the greatest tag teams. I think one of the most underrated because, of course, you think of the British Bulldogs, maybe. Um, and with Owen Hart, this team, like I said, during their 
95, 96 were kind of the main feature there. Number 29, Miz and Morrison, SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Tough Enough Unite. Miz and Morrison were thrown together and won the tag titles from MVP and Matt Hardy, their first night as a team, and held the titles for 220 days. They got themselves over the web series of Dirt Sheet. Eventually, the team split and everyone figured Miz would be the Genetti, and it didn't happen that way. All those years later, they're back together again, compete with bunnies and zombies. And credit to the Miz and Morrison for making this list as well. I think they would have been on there even if they hadn't have, um, reunited recently, but it's still good that we get to see it nowadays, you know? It, um, a good team in. Do you think this is better than the Eminem team, or what um, would you prefer? I would say Eminem probably more of a proper tag team, that would be fair to say, just because of the matching outfits but you know i do like me there is a soft spot for miz and morrison well number 28 is the bar and they don't just set the bar james they are the bar four-time raw tag team champions smackdown tag team champions and it's nice take two tough lads haven't beat the shit out of each of matches one of which we saw live we did at the o2 arena in london just got to get that in there as fucking always uh they battled each other's and then started as partners that hate each other and thankfully, they went the route of making them bond over beating up people. Their run included feuds with The Shield, New Day, The Hardy Boys, James. We are the bar. <laughs> A great tag team there on the list. Hopefully, they don't get forgotten about through history, you know. So this is of just shoving two blokes together and uh, kind of hoping for the best, meshing their names together. This was actually a proper tag team of two guys um, seeing them kind of hate each other and then kind of hate like each other and then you yeah. see them kind of bond together it's good to see that bromance kind of come together um you know having their theme and their kind of entrance as well they come out yeah i think that's a proper tag team as opposed to randomers yeah i think that, and i think we've seen it now in Thatcher, they're teaming up because there's kind of mutual respect which is earned through matches with each other so it's still happening to this day uh, another oddball tag team my 27 team hell no Debuted uh, September 2012, called W Tag Team Champions. Uh, maybe a few teams should be Highland Team Hell No, but it doesn't mean they weren't hilarious together. Their skits and anger management, and having to hug it out was amazing. Teams more known for what they did outside of the ring instead of what they did inside. Um, I'm still the Tag Team Champions, is still pretty hilarious. The team went over even more to show the comedic side, and Food is more than just a world class competitor in ring. This was uh, Team Hell No, big fan of, yeah? Absolutely brilliant. And, uh, you know, any time you need to, you can get them together and you can reunite how, you know, I think they've done it recently. What was it, Rumble? Yeah, Rumble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they've done it quite recently at the Rumble as well. So, yeah, you know, it's good. I think, again, this is not a case of just shoving two wrestlers together. I think it was a team formed by Bonds, you know, and a team that quite similar to The Bar, you know, they kind of didn't like each other. Then they kind of formed a bond. And you're just like, I actually want to see them hug. Yeah, and you want to see them succeed as well, which yeah. makes a great tag team. Number 26, Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik. WWE Tag Team Champions debuted July of 84. Heat magnets. Sure, you can say it was cheap heat. But doesn't matter as they were just hated in the 80s. Just look at the garbage flying on them in the highlights. The high point of their run was winning the WWF tag titles from the US Express at WrestleMania 1. Big upset at the time, but as much as it needed it, they had the first mania, a title change. Both men ended up in the Hall of Fame as well, rightly so. Yeah, legendary tag team there. And up next, another legendary tag team, halfway through the list. And it's Los Guerrero's two-time WWE Tag Team Champions debuted 
August 2002. Of course, we love Eddie, but this seems a little high. At least several teams behind him should probably be above him. The highlight package is great, Laser Shoff. Eddie cheating to win. Each had successful solo careers before, and they run as a team. Slightly why I don't think they run as together as much as other teams on the list. Still great seeing Eddie's footage. Like we said, we, this SmackDown 6 with those uh, matches against Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit, and um, Edge and Rey Mysterio. I still get remembered from this day. That is an absolute great match. Yeah. Um, well, a, a great series of matches between the few teams. Um, did this pairing start of Eddie not respecting Chavo or something, or was this, or did that stem? Was that much later on? Because I'm sure Eddie, like, he kind of had a point of turning his back on Chavo and kind of. Now that was in WSW. Oh, was it? They, oh. they did that in WSW. WWE is more Eddie because Chavo turned on Eddie with uh, Chavo Classic involved. Uh, well, my memory, I, I knew they'd done something together like that, but... <laughs> we watched know. so much wrestling over <laughs> six merges. years, Dan, it does it get merges. like that, yeah. Well, number 24, forget these guys, APA, WWE Hall of Famers, three-time WWE Tag Team Champions. Hurt with how revered this team is in WWE lore, I kind of figured that they would have been a lot, lot higher. The team was put together in their Ministry of Darkness run and then spun off into a bodyguard for hire team. The backstage skits were what got the team over as they drank beer, played poker and got into bar fights. The team kept JBL around until they were able to find him a solo character for him and extended the run of Ron Simmons as well. Yeah, but I mean, like, we'll talk about APA. They went from, like I said, Lackeys to the Untaker to own entertaining skits. And the, during the Attitude Era, having to use the APA's door, you know, knocking the door, come through it, playing game of cards, losing bets, what Crash Holly used to do. And even people employing them, you know, so when the Dudleys would attack, then they'd have them there to look after them. It made sense, and they were a fun team, because they did just go into bars and just start having fights, didn't they? I think for me, the, you know, it makes me remember APA. It's absolutely nothing to do with title runs, titles, anything like that. It is actually to do with the skits, to do with, you know, what they used to bring to the ring. I mean, they used to be two big, heavy-hitting hosses. And they used to come and spine-bust the shit out of you and just absolutely demolish you. Uh, and that's what I liked about both uh, Simmons and JBL. Well, you talk about two big guys who beat the shit out of you. Next is 23, the Blackjacks, W Hall of Famers and Tag Team Champs. Two tough cowboys that beat up people. Just two big, mean Texans. The team found out excess in WA with Bobby Heenan. They showed up in WWE with Captain Lou as their manager. They ended up winning the tag titles and then were inducted into the W Hall of Fame in 2006. The team was loved so much they tried to spin off a new version. One that failed attempts to sink with JBL for, of course, he hit on the Acolytes as well. Yeah, um, a good tag team, huge guys. Yeah, I think, you know, you can't really put them, can you? Uh, up next, 22, The Shield. Two-time Raw Tag Team Champions, WWE Tag Team Champions. And in this case, it is all three members of the team as various combinations, a.k.a. the Freebird Rule. Uh, they held the title over the years. Those early days were just amazing and put some new life into WWE. They really did usher in a new era. They show Ambrose winning the US title the same night Rollins and Reigns won the tag titles. Their run ended with Rollins' famous turn to kickstart his run at the top of the card. All three members went on to win the WWE Championship, including one night when all three held the title at one point. Uh, they had one last run as a team before Ambrose left the company for good. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is with the Shield, is, of course, to get 22 on the list of tag teams is pretty good. But if we're going to do stables or trios when they do that, 
then the Shield are obviously going to be a lot higher. As a tag team, they were great. But, you know, as a six-man, they were injury, you know. You know. Uh, well, speaking of legendary groups, up next. The Generation X and uh, WWE Hall of Famers, WWE Tag Team Champions, and in this case, it's Shawn Michaels and Triple H. The team formed in 97, though. They didn't really team all that often until their second run nearly a decade later. And that second run is what earned them a spot in the list. Though they were nearly as edgy due to it no longer being the Attitude Era. Uh, DX won tag titles from Jerry Show at TLC, but that only reign. But they always seem bigger than the titles anyway. Uh, what I'll say with DX is that, <clears throat> obviously, I don't think they should be this high on the list with the two of them. Uh, but I know you did like their stuff with feuding with like Shane and Vince and Big Show and Spirit School and stuff, didn't you? Um, you know, that was entertaining. I think it was something to... It was a really watered-down version of DX. They wasn't edgy. They wasn't taking the piss. It was more about throwing uh, glow sticks out and giving away stuff to them as opposed to kind of ripping off the ma- ripping the management and yeah, so on and so yeah. forth. Well, Breeze Anger, welcome us back. They're still hanging out and having fun with various items in the W Warehouse. We get to our third programme. And number 20 is the Undisputed Era. Free time NXT Tag Team Champions debuted August 2017. Bastards. I remember how they debuted as well. Well, we'll get on to that. It covers the entire group in a combination of four making a fantastic tag team. They show their first appearance at NXT Tag Brooklyn when they attacked from behind. NXT champion Drew McIntyre. Fisher and O'Reilly won tag gold for the first time by ending the reign of sanity. Uh, Air guitar as well there. Fish got injured. Fish. And Cole took his spot in the team and soon Strong joined to give a stable we know and love after some Pete Dunn. The group held the tag titles for a combined 560 days. The breakup was inevitable, but what a run. And perhaps down the line they can revisit this as well. How entertaining were the Unspewed Era, Dan, when we were watching during that time? Well, James, what was my first reaction to Undisputed Era? And then kind of what did it evolve into? I mean, if you can't take something I absolutely hated at the start, and turn it into something I absolutely loved and didn't want to see break up. I mean, with a tear in my eye. It was unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was a great... And hopefully, yeah, again, I'd love to see them kind of undisputed era on the main roster. It would be absolutely perfect. No doubt. Up next. The sub number 19. That's Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas. WWE Hall of Famers, WWE Tag Team Champions. And for those wanting some older teams, well, here you go. They had some bitter rivalries with the Wild Samoans and knocked them off in a wild no-DQ match to win the WWF World Tag Team titles. In doing so, they became the first black tag team champion and crowd reaction to this win was absolutely fantastic. You talk about teams making history and there is definitely one tag team there making history. And up next, maybe a little surprise, number 18, Mr. Fuji and Toma Tanaka, W Hall of Famous, three-time W Tag Team Champions. More old-school goodness growing up. I knew Mr. Fuji is a manager, so it's kind of cool seeing a video of him in the ring. The team controlled the tag team scene during the 1970s, managed by the Grand Wizard and classy Freddie Blassie. In total, they held the titles for over 500 days. They touched on various rivals they had, which mentioned uh, Tanaka went on to star in movies including Pee Wee Herman's movie, and Fuji became one of the best-known managers in the WWF. Banzai! <laughs> um, up next, number 17, the Steiner Brothers. Two-time WWE Tag Team Champions, seven-time WCW Tag Team Champions, but we don't count that here, so it's only two-time <laughs> WWE Tag Team Champions. Oh, man, I can already hear people screaming that this is way too low. But this is WWE, not WCW. 
but did feature clips from down matches with the head shrinker at WrestleMania 9. See, look, I mean, <laughs> three of the greatest tag teams in the world all appeared at WrestleMania 9, and yet you're fucking here dissing Mania 9. I mean, you're arsehole. So low-key banger, and great stuff here with the Steiners just tossing people all over the ring. Woo! Big Papa Pump footage. I bet they used the wrong math when counting the votes for this list. Uh, number 16, the Rock and Sock Connection. Uh, Three-time three W Tag Team Champions debuted August 99. But I bet that both Rock and Foley would say the team should be ranked higher than the Steiner brothers. <laughs> but with that said, their chemistry together was amazing for all their skits and interviews outside the ring. We all love This Is Your Life, the massive ratings for that one. But this one seems too high for two guys thrown together for a brief run. Of course, uh, we do love their match at WrestleMania 20 with Evolution, though. Uh, should the Rock and Sock Connection really be this high on the list? Um, I, I don't know. It's a weird one because, you know, they were three-time tag team champions. It's not like, you know, they won it once as a throwaway pairing. Um, should they be this high on the list? Probably not, no. And as Mick Foley says, name a Rock and Sock Connection match and you probably can't. So, and Indeed, he would, yes. you know, touch on that in a little bit. Uh, then we see Fandango pretend to be the rock while the breeze, <laughs> while breeze plays mankind. That is just great. I mean, the WWE would be idiots to get rid of these two guys, wouldn't they? Uh, number 15, the Wild Samoans, WWE Hall of Famers, three-time WWE Tag Team Champions. And it seems about right, though, I would put the Steiners above them as well. The Samoans worked Stampede, NWA in Japan before heading to WWE in 1979 with Captain Lou as their manager. They instantly got over in New York and it's cool seeing the original Samoan drop being used so many years ago. They tell us here that the team held 21 tools uh, total in various territories. They also touched on their family and who has followed. That is mental. When you think about 21 different tag team championships around the world i couldn't even name 21 different fucking territories let alone win the titles in them territories right, well number 14 the rockers and they say they're w tag team champions but we'll get onto that in a minute two-time awa tag team champions so they're crediting them with a w tag team title now even though there was a phantom title change from the heart foundation it was never officially recognized um again it was a saturday night main event the rope had broken and they basically did the title change and then said no we're not going to do it should the standards be higher maybe so but the rockers were great and revolutionary and probably should have had a run with the title for the inevitable split um you see how legendary sean's career ended up being as well when they covered the infamous title match with the heart foundation so the match never aired and the rain erased from history. Then why credit them like they just did? And then we get the barbershop and healing saying Janetti tried to jump through the window. Kills me every time. And of course we've been about the reunion in 2005 on Raw as well. Um, when a feud with Kurt Angle. What are your thoughts on the Rockers, Dan? Um, they really shouldn't be on this list, let alone this high on the list. I mean, yeah, they was a good fun tag team. Yeah, are they just doing it to say, look, F you, Young Bucks. This is the real rockers. Well, I don't know. Who's up next, though, Dan? <laughs> uh, up next, we have the Mega Powers, number 13. Uh, WWE Hall of Famers debuted in October 1987. Oh, wow. After seeing the Soul Patrol, Patrol and Fuji Tanaka listed, I figured there was no way the Mega Powers were making this list. <laughs> well, man, this list is just full of surprises. They were basically put together just so they could split and make Vince enough money that Scrooge McDuck, Scrooge McDuck would be jealous, which it did. 
The crowd response to these two and the way they carried themselves is something else. These two are the definition of the word superstar. The handshake, the mega powers versus the mega bucks. All this just to make my soul happy. Uh, yeah, they maybe shouldn't be this high, but like I said, the, the the feud, the reason why they became a tag team was, like I said, to have that split, which made it one of the most successful WrestleManias of all time. And number 12, the Valiant Brothers, W Hall of Famous Tag Team Champions. Another team just before Dan's time. So more of old school goodness. They're also managed by Cat Elder titles for Shade over a year. They had rivalries with Putski uh, and Santana and Guerrilla and Zabuski. Zabisco, I love seeing the old footage of title change for that era. The crowd reactions are great. And the team entered the Hall of Fame in 1996. Number 11 was Demolition, three-time WWE Tag Team Champions, debuted February 1987. I was hoping top 10, but this seems quite solid. Yes, they play the theme music. Here comes the axe. Here comes... Demolition is awesome and overcame the stigma of being Road Warrior rip-offs and became a legendary tag team. It's kind of silly they rank this high yet aren't in the Hall of Fame. I know there may be bad blood, but put them in already. And then Fandango wraps things up for this episode. Yeah, so Breezango, welcome us back. And a hint, what's looking like in the top 10. So, so far, so good for this list. We've seen 40 now into 10. And number 10 is the British Bulldogs. W Tag Team Champions debuted October 1984. There is no surprises here. This is a team a lot of people think of when you hear 80s tag team wrestling. Just an extremely influential team in their wars with the Hart Foundation, a legendary. Plus Matilda. We all love Matilda. They touch on Mania 2 with Ozzy in their corner as a high point of their run. They beat the Dream Team for the tag titles. Grinner saying history major and a title change is always great. Matilda joined the team in 1987. They make sure to give her a few more minutes of fame, which his package was great. You also note Davey's single career and being inducted into the Hall of Fame and the Jack Squash as well was always nice. Dan, British Bulldogs, the greatest tag team to ever come out of the UK. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you just can't fault them. I think those uh, two absolutely brilliant big guys. Certainly, uh, yeah, there's, there's just no bad words to say about their careers. Not at all. Um, number nine, the Brothers of Destruction, two-time WWE Tag Team Champions, WWE Tag Team Champions during the Invasion Angle. This is high, but this isn't our list. Probably the most intimidating team on the list, and really their careers are tied to each other, whether they were a team or feuding with each other. They touch on winning the tag team titles and the cage match to unify the titles with the WWE titles against Canyon and DDP. That was just an absolute squash. They even mentioned their partnership was sporadic, but they could always throw them back together at any moment. They deserve a spot on this list, but I don't know about top 10, and I really don't know if it should be Bulldogs. Well, I'm not sure, but you know, we talk about devastating tag teams in history, Brothers Instructions are uh, a Brother structure pretty up there. We get a brief video package of notable female tag teams, the Bellas, the Kabuki Warriors, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, Jumping Bomb Angels, Shania Basil and Nia Jax, the Glamour Girls, Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart, Cross and Bliss, The Way, of course, Hartwell and The Way, and the Golden Role Models as well. Before we and move the Iconics. On, and before we move on to number eight on the list, the New Age Outlaws, six time WWE Tag Team Champions, Hall of Famers as well. Jesse James and Billy Gunn were paired together. The tag team sensation was born. They cheated to win to take the titles off LED and never looked back. We watched them shaving Hawks Mohawk and tossing Foley and Funk off the stage in a dumpster. They were a natural fit for DX and they become one of the most over acts ever. Uh, they reunited many years later and had one last run with the tag titles as they won them at the 2014 Raw Rumble. James, they had an iconic opening line. 
The, to the start of all the entrances, James, could you recall any of the lines from it? Well, <laughs> do you know what? I could probably do the, even the bit, oh, you didn't know your ass Bella Coles, and then Rodo coming out there. But I think, yeah, because it started, what, well, Dan, you know it, you know it better than I, wouldn't you? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, D-Generation X proudly brings to you its tag team champions of the world. Road Dog Jesse James, the badass Billy Gunn. The new age outlaws. And now, of course, if you're not down with that, Dan's got two words for you. Suck it. Yeah, I love the outlaws. Fantastic tag team. Up next, number seven, the Usos. Four-time SmackDown tag team champions. Two-time WWE tag team champions. The final team on this list from the Samoan dynasty, and they have been killing it since 2010. It took them a bit of time to find their footing, but by Mania 30, they were off and running. Remember the war dance when they made their entrance? Coincidentally, they ended the last title run of the New Age Outlaws in 2014. That was the infamous Chicago show where the crowd tried to hijack things in the name of CM Punk. The heel turn was much needed and put them on another level, leading to their fantastic feud with the New Day. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, the Usos. And like we say, maybe in years to come, they'll be even higher on the list uh, when it comes there as well. And up next, Rush. Number six, the Legion of Doom. Of course, Hall of Famers, two-time WWE Tag Team Champions. And this is about right in the five teams we have left. Again, I wonder if there's anything other than a WWE run factor into this. We get lots of NWA goodness in this package. They make the WWE in 1990. We got some of the best reactions of any act at the time. Everyone wanted the dream match with Demolition to happen a few times, but nothing major. Instead, they knocked off the Nasty Boys to win a tail. It was at SummerSlam in MSG. Massive pop for that. They left in 92, then had a run in WWE, returned in 97. And it's interesting how LOD became the old tag team for the Outlaws, but over pasture. Then the Usos did the same to the Outlaws. What are your thoughts on Legion of Doom, Dan? Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, they're kind of one of the first tag teams I remember, you know, just because of their kind of huge spikes as they come to the ring. They're kind of dominating presence. You know, they just no-sold everything. They beat the fuck out of everyone. <laughs> it was just two badass blokes, like, you know, that couldn't be beaten, in my opinion. Yeah, without, Love them. without a shadow of a doubt. All right, we're going to get into our top five now of the list. Dan, do you want to uh, kick us off? Well, number five, the Dudley Boys. WWE Hall of Famers. Nine-time WWE Tag Team Champions. Eight-time ECW Tag Team Champions. The most decorated tag team in professional wrestling history. We start with some sweet footage from ECW before moving to their WWE run starting in 99. They came in just after Public Enemy was turfed from WWE and overcame any stigma that may have caused about ECW guys. Of course, they became masters of using tables, which Bubba has said Public Enemy made popular. They had an epic rivalry with Edge and Christian and the Hardys. Those TLC matches are still in stain, still stand up to today's generation. In 2015, they returned to WWE after their TNA run, and they had some fun matches with New Day, and soon they were inducted into the Hall of Fame, and rightly so. Without a doubt, the Dudleys were one of the greatest tag teams of all time, like I said, with uh, three others. And the other one, Edge and Christian at number four, seven-time WWE Tag Team Champions, debuted October 98 as a brood. Uh, I would have had uh, Edge and Christian maybe 
behind the Dudley boys a little bit because Jessica and the Dudley had such a longer team. But, of course, they didn't have the Bruise theme music as well. They don't play it. Uh, and they redefined tag teams, wrestling the Hardys and the Dudleys with tables, ladders and chairs. So, as you call it, Edge and Christian won the initial triangle ladder match and then TLC won and two. And that's been for the ladder at Mania 17 is still breathtaking. And the kazoos and offbeat shenanigans as well. Yeah, I, I loved Edge and Christian, I think. You know, um... I think they brought a bit more off-screen than the Dudleys did. You know, kind of their backstage segments, uh, T-Mech as well. That was quite fun. Yeah, I think that was brilliant. <laughs> they were. They uh, were brilliant, Dan. Yeah. Uh, a little segment on teams that didn't appear in a WWE and couldn't be on this list. Countdown. The Outsiders, we are taking over. Powerbomb Bischoff off a stage. Wow. That was 25 years ago. Oh, mental. The Eliminators are standard in East W for quite a while. The Koloffs, old school goodness. Doom, yeah, just badasses. Steamboat and Youngblood, old school. Sting and Luger, they had a few runs being when Luger acted like a hill while team with Sting, who was a face, and have his friend the benefit of the doubt. The Fabulous Freebirds, I'm pretty much sure they had a match in WWE, but probably not enough to count. And the Von Erichs, well, I mean, you can't mention the Freebirds without mentioning this team. Uh, Sabu and RVD, ECW greatness. The Midnight Express, now we're talking tag team wrestling. Jim Cornette gets some face time. Another Express, the Rock and Roll Express. Now I know they appeared in the WWE when they had a working deal with Smoky Mountain Wrestling. The Hollywood Blonde greatness, these two were great, uh, got over by sheer force of will. The Four Horsemen, again, weird not to include the Brain Busters on this list. The Harlem Heat, W Hall of Fame, as you could say, they are the greatest tag team in WCW history. So now it's the top three. Dan, why don't you give us who is in third place? Well, in number three, the Hart Foundation, WWE Hall of Famers, two-time tag team champions and perfect examples of power and finesse making a perfect team. Anvil was a badass with a charisma and promo ability, while Brett was a technical marvel that would piece things together. They were perfect together, and after a hill run, the fans couldn't help but cheer for them. They ended the run, run of the Bulldogs, and we get a length, lengthy segment on their two out of three falls win over Demolition at SummerSlam. A fun match with a massive pop. The team was inducted into the Hall of Fame, and that was where that maniac rushed the stage and tried to attack Brett. That just end of what a team should be, and teams tried to copy that formula for years. Without a shadow of a doubt with the Hart Foundation, like I said, deserved of the top three. And at number two, it's the Hardy Boys. Six-time WWE Tag Team Champions Raw, WWE Tag Team Champions, and SmackDown Tag Team Champions. They really put New Day at number one. The Harley Boys debuted in 98. They won their first tag titles for the Acolytes. They put themselves on the map. Then with Edge and Christian in the first tag team ladder match, or the Terry Invitational Tournament. These were added with a new golden age era of tag wrestling. Uh, they split the team up a few times, and they each found success in singles for leaving WWE after nearly seven years. The team returned at Mania 33. That seemed easy to call once the ladder stipulation was added. A uh, great moment, easy, the biggest moment from that show. The crowd pop was nuts. That was an incredible moment at WrestleMania, Dan, wasn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Um, well, you know, it kind of, it was a tag team match, but I wouldn't have called the Hardys being there. And yeah. it was a great surprise for me. It I was. It. Well, up next, we've had 49 teams. We've got a long left. Don't you dare be sour! Clap for your number one tag team and feel the power! Yes, James, it is the New Day. Seven-time SmackDown Tag Team Champions, four-time Raw Tag Team Champions, 
And it also dawned on me that we have a three-man group as the number one tag team in WWE history. It seems kind of unfair to the two-man teams on this list. I kid. Early New Day vignettes, and man, did that crowd turn on them. New Day sucks. Well, thankfully, that's what they needed as they were turned heel, and the rest is history. As they moved out of the way and let them do their thing, they were so entertaining that the fans turned them face. Their second reign in ended up being the longest reign of any team in WWE history as they broke Demolition's mark. It's kind of crazy how many things they were able to get over. Cereal, trombones, pancakes are just a few things to mention. Their touch on their rivalry with the Usos and I recommend checking out the Raw the two teams had inside Hell in a Cell a few years back. Just beautiful, beautiful, ah, just brutal stuff. <laughs> beautiful also, and beautiful. And brutal, brutal, beautiful and amazing. They also touch on Kofi Mania, which is still a moment that brings a smile to my face. The crowd was just so happy and it was just such a great feel-good moment. Yeah, fantastic stuff. And Brizango wrap things up. I want to debate about the ratings of social media. I'm sure they've already started. Um, credit to 411 Mania now for that as well. Thoughts? Well, Eddie, Billy Gunn, Bulldog on the list twice. So it'll be interesting to see how many there. Might just be W, but the majority of the teams ended up turning on each other as well. It's kind of the tag team ways. What do you think of that top 50 list that WWE just gave you, Dan? Um, you know, it's it's a WWE one. I think I would have had a few more NXT teams on there, you know, personal choices. But they say it is, you know, you kind of need to be tag team champions to, to kind of qualify. It's not a bad list. You know, a few few seem out of place. A few maybe spike moves, perhaps. Well, let's see, right? So here's the top 15. Cause we did the top... 15 tag teams and a dub in R75, which, considering we're on the dub in R364 right now, seems years ago, which it is. I, I couldn't even remember. All right, so we're going to go 15 down. And like I said, this is from dub in R75. So this is from like 2016, 2015. So this is how long ago it was. Our top 15, compare it to the W list as well. Number 15, we've got Money Inc. Uh, number 14, the New Age Outlaws. Number 13, the Steiners. Number 12, Rock and Sock Connection. Number 11, Harlem Heat. Number 10, the APA. Number 9, the Guerreros. Number 8, the Outsiders. Number 7, Brothers of Distraction. Uh, Destruction. Number 6, the Heart Foundation. Imagine the Brothers of Distraction. Quick, hit him! Sorry. Um, so, number five, top five, the Bulldogs. Number four, LOD. Number three, the Dudleys. Number two, Edge and Christian. And number one, the Hardys. And that was before the New Day really got going. So, you think we did that five years ago now? Yeah. That is not bad at all, is it, Rick? Um, no, it's it's not a, it's not bad at all. I think, you know, that is quite a good list. Uh, good list. Um yeah, you struggle to argue with that list, obviously, for back then. Now, I think there's a few teams you can add. But we did add another five teams on the WNR 150, James. Yes, we did. We had the Usos. New Day. Midnight Express. Rock and Roll Express. And the Rockers. And the question is, would there be any changes, any additions now? Of course, you know, we talk about the new teams that maybe come through. Um, well, the new teams, but ours isn't necessarily kind of restricted to WWE teams. So, you know, you've got obviously... Street DIY, but you know, to throw a spanner in the works, people would say the Young Bucks. Yeah, the Young Bucks. Or what about the Briscoes from Ring of Honor as well? You yeah. know, or what about um, the Smoking Guns? If you saw, and of course the Rockers are on there, but someone like Demolition as well. Were we kind of too quick to look away from them at that point in time? You know, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's. Would there be more newer day teams on there? 
Well, I think this is the thing, you know, would we count that off as a pain? A, well, of a, fa- a revival would definitely... I think they're the ones kind of really missing. Um, American Alpha were fantastic in American as Alpha. Well. What was that team we used to love as well? The old school Gotch and English. Oh, Vaudevillians. Vaudevillians. Yep. See, they'd be, they wouldn't be that... You know, they'd be on the list. But, yeah, exactly, but not that high, not you know. Not necessarily that high, yeah. Um, yeah, a few teams, I don't know, we could probably add to what? a new list at some point in the very near future. That's what I'm saying. When we get time, we will work on new lists for the WNR. But, of course, another new network programme was the Broken Skull Sessions as well with Mick Foley. Now, um, we, we were, were going to do like a full in-depth review of this one. But the thing with Mick Foley's life and career is that it's been so well documented, whether it be from Have a Nice Day, whether it will be from um, like these documentaries that WWE's done. There's a recent A&E one as well. Uh, or of course recent stuff, but we will talk about it. Dan. What were you just? What were your thoughts on the whole thing? It was about two hours, wasn't it? What, what did you think of Mick Foley on the Broken Skull sense? It was good, and I always love hearing like the old school wrestlers and that. But it kind of a lot of it is very similar to back in 2017 when I listened to Chris Jericho uh, with Mick Foley on the podcast, and that even like you know his kind of voice tone, the way he tells his stories. Even, like, you know, some of the words and phrases he uses as well are exactly the same across the both two. You know, it is, it's, I, I watched the thing from start to finish. I still enjoyed it. I still enjoy hearing, like, you know, his perspective on going through the hell in a cell, which I'm sure we've heard from a million different, like, you know, sources yeah. of people that was there. And, you know, the referee's account of it, Terry Funk's account of it, Mankind's account of it. So it's, it's always good listening to it. Um, you know, there was there was a few good points and a few good things that, you know, you didn't know about Mick Foley that was brought up in it as well. Yeah, but the thing is, uh, I know so much about Mick Foley. Like, I think the only interesting thing was like his TNA run when he talked about not being happy. Well, being happy there the first year, but not being happy the second year and kind of saying, well, you know, WWE, people look at wrestling as WWE and you can't really fight that, which is a bit funny now you've got AEW, but I can respect his point. There maybe wasn't in the best of shapes. But again, worthwhile to watch because, you know, it's not boring. And like, if you've never heard the DDP story before, if you've never heard, you know, like going on the gay beach and stuff like that, then it, it really is quite funny stories. Uh, but obviously, when you have heard it, like I said, with the stand-ups or something like that, it kind of maybe does get a little bit um, passe, shall we say. Uh, but we will move on to news. News! And Alex Riley addresses pro wrestling elephant in a room without addressing the specific elephant by name. Riley, real name is Kevin Kyle. Kylie was a guest on Booker T's Hall of Fame series. Booker asked him about his current square circle status, which led to Riley bringing up his well-documented heat with John Cena. I have said that I would come back for one night with one conversation unnamed person. I believe we all know who that is. And then I'm going to say <coughs> that uh, also there was a situation, situation where he stood on his belief system of what he believed it took to be a main event wrestler in WWE and I stood on mine. And that's as far as I'm going to take it. Well, he's not here to defend himself. I'll never do that to a man in that business. I've spoken my piece on Instagram. Uh, I could, I believe that certain someone deserves the right to defend himself. I would be a fool to say that people don't understand who I'm speaking of at this point, but I want to leave it at that, Riley stated, for noting that he remains loyal to Vincent Mann. So basically, he brought it up to say that I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) So basically, the only thing that Alex Riley has in his life going for him is the fact that John Cena hampered his career. Uh, I'm Vince McMahon loyal. I know he was a fan of mine. I know he believed I was massively talented. I've heard that from people. I believe I'm massively talented. I believe I'm still massively talented and I was bringing a lot to that business. 
now this person and I, I will say this, we just really didn't like each other. And I mean really didn't like each other. And I don't think that's even a secret anymore. Do you think people were like he was like someone saw him and they went, cool, what a massive. And he kind of walked out the room and they were going, oh, massive, massively talented individual is what they were saying about me. You're such a massive. And he just massively talented individual. But he says WWE loyal and he appreciate what Vincent Mann did. Um but again, I know we're dredging up stuff, and that's Riley blaming Johnson. Is there a point where he should just? Uh, is this just? Should he leave it now, or is this his only go-to? I think this. You know what? What else can you say about Alex Riley's career in WWE? I mean, he eliminated himself in the Royal Rumble before he should have been eliminated, completely fucking up a huge spot that was meant to have taken a good bit of storyline in. Um, All he has going to his name is the fact that John Cena hampered his career. And if that's all you've got to fucking work on, why not prove him wrong in a completely different way by going to the independents, building yourself back up, maybe even coming back to the WWE and going, look, fuck you, Cena, this is what I can do. Yeah, I think without a doubt. We'll move on to NXT UK news. Uh, Former WWE Superstar Hall of Famer Shawn Michaels recently sat down to an interview for an episode of Wrestling with Brandon F. Walker. And while speaking about the present, Michaels gave an update on his current activity in NXT. He said he's been busy producing the NXT UK brand and does whatever he can to help the product. He also discussed how Triple H got involved with the brand in the first place. Well, first it started out as me coming in just as coach. Uh, recalled Michaels. Hunter was very open about it. Look, just stick your big toe in, see what you like, what you enjoy, and then we'll go from there. And he did that knowing full well. He knows his friend like the back of his hand. Before long, I would be all the way in and be part of everything that is NXT. And that's where we're at four years later. I produced the NXT UK brand. They have been put. They have been very trusted in putting that in my hands. And I do absolutely everything I can with NXT domestic. Producing, directing, I absolutely help in every way that I can. Well, do you think it's weird that we've been joining NXT UK and Shawn Michaels' handprints all over it? Do you know what I mean? Like the kind of wrestling and everything like that? Or are we looking too much into that? No, I think, you know, it is kind of... I, I think... It's running organically, but Michael's just kind of frozen his little, yeah, why don't you just do this? Yeah, yeah, and, you yeah. know, he's kind of, all he's just doing is putting a tiny little bit of wisdom in, but he's making a three-star match going into a four-and-a-half, five-star match. Yeah, I think that's perfect. Well, the topic of water was also brought up during the interview, which he said uh, Volta was pretty good. Michael's quickly agreed, and he said he would put Volta up against anybody. Michael's is asked if he thinks anything about the matches he can have against Volta, and if there's any other talents he has had the same thoughts about, and he says... Uh, with Volta, I would definitely leave that alone <laughs> now. Uh, move on to Arrivals. Uh, Revolution Pro Wrestling is returning to live events and one of their feature shows is scheduled for the 4th of July. At the event, the champion Jamie Hayter was going to defend the Rev Pro Undisputed British Women's Championship against Sky Smithson in a no-DQ match. In an update on the official Rev Pro website, the title has now been vacated as both Hamilton were contacted by NXT UK about a tryout and both talents accepted the offer. RevPro wished Hater and Smithson the best of luck going forward. Um, as the 4th of July show, Giselle Shaw and Zoe Lucas will compete for the vacant championship. Before Hater and Shaw uh, 
before Hater, Shaw and Lucas were the last two holders of the Rev Pro women's title. Does that say something about Revolution Pro Wrestling when these women are giving up championships to have a tryout? Not not the job, but just to try out, you know? Or does it show the impact Lennox the UK has in Britain now, you know? I think, you know, this is kind of... This is the way into WWE that people from Britain have been looking for. I mean, you know, before that, you've seen the struggles that Paige had getting to WWE. They made a fucking movie about yeah. it starring The Rock. <laughs> Um, but you know you kind of seen them troubles so I think you know kind of having that NXT UK and you know with Shawn Michaels having his hand in it he's going to be talking to Triple H over at NXT who's going to be talking to his father-in-law Vince McMahon at WWE so kind of you know if you want an in that is the best way to do it but well we get a new group of recruits from Asia report for training at W Performance Centre in Orlando Florida Fi Cheng Wang, he's got massive Wang, six foot two he is and weighs 242 pounds. The Chinese recruit is trained for the ring by former PC coach Hartley Jackson, the Japanese wrestler, mixed martial artist Alexander Osaka. Well, Sean Tang comes to the performance in Singapore where he competed under the name Trexus. The 25-year-old is a former Singapore pro wrestling Southeast Asia champion. And Jai Ying, the Chinese athlete who experience in CrossFit, the PC and discipline a champion indoor rower. Ying placed second in the CrossFit China Open and competed in the Asia CrossFit Championship. And finally, departures, because uh, we've just seen him host the top 50 tag teams, but unfortunately, Fandango and Tyler Breeze have been released. Uh, unbelievable when you think about when uh, Tyler Breeze... Uh, been around for about 14 years, they said. Uh, they parted away with uh, Killian Dane, Marina Shafir, the NXT tag team Everize, Arturo Ruas, and 205 Live wrestlers Tony Nice, Davari, the Bollywood Boys, August Gray, and Kurt Stallion. And Dan, since the start of the year, W have released 35 talents. Uh, what are your thoughts on these uh, talents being released? Are you upset about it, or at this moment, are you just numb to the pain? Um. You know, WWE obviously doing it for the right reasons. You know, they're, they're a huge multi-million pound company. So, you know, they kind of don't do things on a whim. Um, hopefully, they're going to focus back more on the wrestling product and give kind of the wrestlers that they've still got with them uh, more opportunities, more screen time and kind of, you know, build up on a better product with a good core of wrestlers and then maybe add in a few and kind of take away a few as opposed to stockpiling. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So we'll see um, what happens when it comes to that. And we'll move on to NXT UK. And we'll start off with the June 11th show. Andy Shepard and Nigel McGuinness welcome fans to NXT UK. We kick things off with the NXT UK champion, Volta. Well, so it's Volta's in-ring. Talks about his most recent title defences, one of them being at NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver against Tommaso Ciampa. With about 800-plus day reign, Volta guarantees he will be forever the NXT UK champ. He looks to bring honour to the title and the promotion. He is the ruler. But Dan, was this a little bit underwhelming? He's come back for like a, a big announcement, so to speak, and he's just basically going over what he's done. Yeah, he's basically saying he looks to continue to... He just basically says... My big announcement is going to do exactly the same thing I've been doing for the past 800 plus <laughs> days. Well, uh, next week we get Flash Morgan Webster, Danny Luna, Subculture, the look to take on Joseph Connors and Ginny. But up next, Irish Ace Jordan Devlin will make his in ring return against Saxton Huxley. Well, Huxley tosses De- Devlin over the guardrail before smashing him on top of another. Huxley rolls Devlin back in by the eighth count. Huxley rolls in with a head of steam with a boot wash. And hip attack in the corner. Huxley continues the on's boot to the face. 
Devlin leapfrogs off the ropes. Huxley drops on top with a Lufez press. Huxley looks for another pin. Devlin kicks out. Uh-huh. Devlin hits a perfect springboard moonsault. Uh, pre- perfect springboard cutter to break up the mo- momentum. He clocks Huxley on the chin. Then Huxley tries to avoid the Devlin slide, who then turns it around with a power slam for another near fall. Devlin escapes Huxley's control with a nasty headbutt, giving the Irish ace a chance to land a Devlin slide. For the pinfall victory, you know uh, when he hit is nearly over. <laughs> oh, that man! That man is like the fucking Easter Red Man, uh, Easter Island Man, isn't it? Like them heads. Uh, but yeah, Jordan Devlin getting the victory there. I mean, the thing is with Huxley, the crazy character kind of doesn't really work for me in that way. We've seen it kind of too many times. Will Devlin try a Volta again? I mean, you know, former Crusade champion, he came up short there. What is next for the Irish? Ace. It was a good match, though. It was a good match, yeah. Huxley's crazy um, character, yeah, certainly doesn't yeah, work. No, up next, Dan. Well, up next, yeah, yeah. introducing the NXT UK <laughs> cha- Tag Team Champions, Pretty Deadly. Yeah, so this is introducing to you. We've got Sam Stoker, Lewis Howley. Lewis Howley's the, the hot blonde. They've been a team since 2019. They beat Gallus February 25th for the gold. And they're here to join Andy Sheff and Nigel against some commentary for the tag team belt set to take place next. But I can see it in your eyes. Go on. I hate them already, James. I hate them. <laughs> what is it about them you hate? I don't know. Is it their outfits? Is it their stupid bloody uh, braces that they're wearing? Is it their look? I don't know, but I know we used to see it a lot, but seeing a wrestler with a shaven face just doesn't really fucking work for me. <laughs> I'm used to seeing a bit of stubble, a bit of beard, a moustache or a goatee or something. You know, it's... Clean-shaven face, it just looks really fucking weird. Well, they are the tag team champions, Dan. They're not going to be in action this month, but next month they will be defending the gold so you can get to seek firsthand. But I knew you wouldn't like them. Uh, but yes, boy, you've been introduced to them now. Uh, and, of course, the match is Symbiosis, which is Prime Out and Tyson T-Bone with Eddie Dennis versus Dan Maloney and Andy Wilde. Yes, he's fucking furious. Uh, Tyson, T-Bone and Maloney are both tagged in by their partners. T-Bone lands a big strike to the spin of Maloney. Primate flies in following the tag. He lands a heavy forearm to the side of Maloney's face. Symbosis joins forces and smash Maloney in the corner. T-Bone is back in as the legal man. Looks for the cover. Maloney kicks out again. Uh-huh. Primate hits a massive spear in the corner. Maloney gets caught midair but recovers in the centre of the ring. Andy Wilde is tagged in. Wilde tries to take on Symbosis with back and forth shots. He, uh, Primate then hoists Wild up with an exploder suplex. T-Bone is tagged in. T-Bone drives Wild into the mat with a power slam as, as Primate flies off the top with a nasty headbutt. Cover, one, two, three... And Symbosis prevails. I mean, this was okay. It was an extended squash, but Wilde actually did look quite good. And then we see Tierman sent a message to Oliver Carter. He's about family, and he can put anybody in XT in the hospital. Imagine if he was thinking, it's about family. It's all about family, you slave. Get him up, up. Um... Next week, Joseph Connors and Ginny will take on Flash Webster Morgan and Danny Luna of Subculture. And Sam Gradwell versus Wolfgang after Sam called Gallus Yogurts. Well, it is technically true, though. They are. <laughs> Do you know what? I've never a man been after my own heart. You yogurt. I go, yes. But it's now the event. Can the forever champion retain or will the final boss prevail? The NXT UK Women's Championship, Miko Satamora versus K. Lee race 649 days as NXT UK Women's Champions Dan we get the introduction there for that but Kaylee Ray what are your thoughts on how has she she's been for the past two years now um well she's managed to hold that title well a few defenses I 
again, when she first got her hands on that strap, I highly doubted her ability and her, you know, her means to carry the women's division in NXT UK, where it is such a strong division anyway. Uh, but she's done well, managed to kind of get through the pandemic. Obviously, there was an extended break for the NXT UK brand. So, uh, you know, this kind of title run has been extended a bit more than needed. But still, she's done well. She's had a few great matches. And uh, hopefully, she continue her 640 streak. But this is the thing. And I'll, I'll compare it to, if anybody's maybe not seen NXT UK, I've only watching this because of the, the massive title match or listening to this even as well. I think the fact that compared to maybe Bailey, because the thing is with Kaylee Ray, well, when she came up, a bit like Bailey with the other four horsewomen, maybe not looked as the kind of the star of the pack, but just through pers- persistence and will and performance, has found herself in a position and is you know carrying the flag like a Bailey's uh, SmackDown record-breaking SmackDown Women's Title reign. It would be exactly the same as Kaylee Ray, where you think that she would be the star, but when she's in that position, you can't doubt her, you know. Absolutely, but she is going up the, against the legend that is Miko Satamora. I mean, we saw her in the May Young Classic. Uh, absolutely impressed us. A veteran of... Uh, I don't even know how long. Well, when you influence people like Oscar and Sasha Banks and, and Britt Baker and, and everybody around the world, you know, you know you've know you had a, a pretty great, uh, like we said, like 25 years. But I, I think... Maybe, I don't know, you can ask this question, who has the advantage here? Because these women are faced before with Kayla Ray coming out on top. Now, Kayla Ray's already, you know, like I said, Miko's lost. But who does that favour, especially when Miko's such a, a veteran, a second time around when you consider the environment, she was coming into it first and now she's maybe more comfortable with it, the style as well. You know, what do you think behind that? Uh, well, I think with Kayla Ray, certainly she's going to have momentum on her side. It's going to help get her through this match. She knows to beat Miko Satimura. And it's not an easy task. But with Miko Satamori, she's learned from her last match with Kaylee Ray. She's kind of learned her mistakes. She's not going to kind of do the same thing she's done previously against Kaylee Ray. So, you know, she she's might be able to pick up a shock victory here. Well, well this is the thing. And I think with Miko, like I said, learning from the experiences, you know, like I said, how many times has she won in her career? How many times has she lost? And what has she taken from that? Kaylee Ray at this moment is going on a kind of unbeaten. When the gold is on the line, she's walking out. We've talked about that. We've seen it before in history. You know, you talk about a Goldberg streak or something like this, what it does to mentality. You know, but is Kaylee Ray maybe thinking, I've beat you before, and now he's going to look at her as maybe kind of easier target as opposed to someone else? Indeed, yes. So what would be next for Kaylee Ray? I mean, if she was to uh, get the victory, who would be her next challenge? I mean, we're seeing at the moment with people like even Nina Samuels or, or Ginny or as we're seeing with, with other women coming through, the division is pretty strong at this moment in time. Maybe haven't got the name talent it did before, but that's why I think part of part is the reason they're developmental and they come through. And I think with Kaylee Ray, if... If she wins here, I think someone else will step up. I think for Miko, it might be time to reassess the uh, situation. Situation. And uh, if it was kind of Miko to come out on top, then maybe Kelly Ray. Could she work on the either main roster on NXT? Um, I think NXT would certainly give her a good hand at what would be expected of the, the main roster. Um, but yeah, I think She'd certainly be a great asset, asset to any brand that she'd go to. Well, I think the thing with Kayla Ray is interesting is that, again, it's like we're going, well, if she went to NXT, she probably won't be champion but might have success. 
the same we thought with NXT UK. And let's not forget the women she beat, you know, Ray Ripley and uh, Tony Storm in that triple threat match and what they've gone on to accomplish since then as well. You know, every time people doubt Kaylee Ray, so even in this match, we think, oh, she might not come out top. She usually does. Absolutely. Well, you know, you could get Ray Ripley as a, a dominating women's champion on the main roster. Kaylee Ray says, well, guess who took your title from you last time, bitch? Exactly. I'm back know? again. So, yeah. you know, they'll be setting up a great storyline. And hopefully they could kind of use some NXT UK stuff from there as well. And they'd be like, oh, wow, these have come from NXT UK. Check it out a bit more, I think. Well, I, I think the thing I like about Kaylee Ray as well is the kind of style and the message. You know, it's not just even the way she looks. Maybe they've got like a kind of WWE look about her. But it's definitely just the way she goes about her business. We talk about Miko being a veteran and Kaylee Ray's been there and done that around the scene. You know, and I think this is what it's helped her in, in this moment of keeping that title for that amount of time. But you've got to wonder if there's a little voice in the nagging in the back of her head saying, if that six months wasn't shut down, would I still be champion at this point, you know? Absolutely. Have they just been kind of like delaying all, like, you know, consequences for... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Like in her head, you know, because like I said, Piper Niven now has kind of been called up. So she's... Sorry, who? I was like, do drop. Oh, yeah. she, she's on the main roster now. So, you know, we talk about the... Um, the landscape in the UK, the women's division, is definitely changing. You know, when you speak about these two veterans, beyond that, the field is kind of wide open. But Kaylee Ray's just, she's so smooth in everything she does. She is, yeah. But I, th- I think this kind of ability would get lost on the main roster because they don't get a chance to showcase it. I mean, since going up, have you seen kind of uh, Ray Ripley being the woman that she was in NXT or NXT UK? No, but I, again, it's how they get booked, and I don't think they know how to use them. And I think Kaylee Ray's used here. I mean, even Miko Satamora, like, she, it feels like such a huge deal she's on NXT UK because of the kind of hype and the surrounding and seeing her. And, you know, and even her getting to this shot, she wasn't just given it. You know, I mean, she was when she first came, but she had to earn it again. We watched the. Um, the gauntlet match that she was involved in as well so you know we know and it shows you the talent in the division absolutely yeah I think the NXT UK I think we need to shout for the rooftops I think sometimes the women's division here gets forgotten about when you look at who's come and gone from it absolutely um, you know it's it does need more eyes on the product I think it's it's kind of getting put right under the radar especially with like you know all these uh other brands surfacing and everyone else about, you know, it's kind of getting moved back down. But, you know, as long as I know it's here and I get to watch it, Sodom. Do you think it helps the NXT program as Katie Ray's kind of taking control of Miko? Um, obviously, she's not out because we know Samuel could come back at any moment. Do you think the hour a week still helps? Or do you think they could extend it to two hours uh, and it wouldn't really hurt because I mean, think about it, it's like an hour and ten minutes at the moment, like every week. Well, they yeah. try and cram that much. Again, into it. again, we touched on this last time, but I, I don't want to kind of try and change something that absolutely worked for NXT. You know, when we was watching it, we was deep into it. It was an hour a week, and you know, because we'd always complain, oh yeah, Raw's too long, SmackDown's too long, pay too long with the pre-shows and the normal shows and the after shows and. You know, we want something quick, compact, bang to the point. And again, with NXT and NXT UK, it was the fact of, right, we're going to focus on this championship. We're going to focus on this division. We're going to focus on this part of it for this week. Next week, we're going to build up to that, you know, the week after. So, 
you know, they're constantly planting seeds or they're giving us something good to look forward to each episode. Yeah, I think that uh, NXT UK has been one of my favourite things to watch week in, week out since the start of the year. I would say impact along with that because I think that's been a p- pleasant surprise. And, and I think with that, it doesn't feel like two hours. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes the programme, when it flies along, like Dynamite does that, it did do that, and then recently it, kind of, it has felt two hours, whereas Raw feels like you're watching it all evening. Like I still can't work out Raw just yet. But Oh, absolutely. And uh, again, you know, with these, it's kind of everyone goes on about AEW versus WWE. And, you know, there are other things out there. NXT, NXT UK, Rev Pro, Impact, New Japan. You know, there is other worlds out there to enjoy. Well, I don't. I mean, like I said, the WNR podcast and the team behind it, we, we managed to watch six different things. You know what I mean? And that's... With just WWE included, not Raw and SmackDown as well. But and this is a, with a lot of action here, and you look at it and you think, well, the NXT UK Women's Division is actually on top, and Kaylee Ray was on top, but Miko just made a comeback, but maybe damaged that leg. Oh, I think Kaylee Ray was trying to roll out the way. Miko caught her with probably uh, not the right part of the leg she was hoping to, but still managed to cover, but only got a two. Two. But you see that that was a kind of nearly botch because obviously she didn't get out of the way. But because they both sold it with Miko with the injury as well, yeah. managed to get the cover and they change it round now. Oh, it's like, you know, sometimes you try to escape. Sometimes you don't escape far enough. That does happen. You know, it it does happen in real life, but it doesn't happen as much in wrestling. But you I don't ha- get... I hate it, sorry. But I hate, you know, when they like they go, oh, we'll just redo the exact same. Well, don't. You've moved yeah. up. Do, yeah. You've got to do something else now. Yeah. I think that's what makes a better wrestler when they go, right, we can work on the, but, you know. But yeah, you know, with wrestling, you kind of either, you hit them or you miss them completely. You don't <laughs> kind of just hit them while they're trying to move. It's a good, I think it's a good thing that, you know, if it wasn't a botch, it could actually work quite well. But a gory bomber hit its mark. Well, Miko using Kaylee Ray's move against her. Yeah, well, how do you, do you beat the champ? You beat her with her own moves. I just think they've scouted each other, you know, they've both watched tapes, they both know each of their moves, and Kaylee Ray's, you know, want to make sure she avoids those kicks. Easier well, said than yeah. done. <laughs> She's out on her feet, but manages to re- to redeem herself with a kick to the jaw. Satamora loved it, though. <laughs> She's once more. And are both women going toe-to-toe in the middle of the ring. And this is what you like to see. Both women are battered, beaten down, but they still want to hurt each other as much as possible, standing in the ring. And you can hear the strikes. From the forearms, both women laying it in. Satamora coming back off the ropes. Kaylee Ray now with a flurry of rights of her own. Irish whip. Satamora reverses. A huge uppercut. And now Miko looking for the kick. Lands it on the back of the head of Ray. Into a cover one, two. No. Kaylee managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Well, Straight see. back to her feet. I want to say Miko made a mistake there, but she didn't um, grab the leg, which made Kaylee Ray get the momentum. Tornado DDT into a cover. Oh, that's absolutely beautiful there by KD Ray managing to turn momentum. But Miko up before KD Ray is. Now both women have been hit with a big move and bounced straight back from it. Well, another super kick by KD Ray. That drops Miko. I don't know if she'll be smiling anymore. But again, Satamora back to her feet to eat another. Well, she's proven to be the final boss as the super kicks, but Miko gets up again. Will it be third time lucky for Ray? Oh! As you see that one square on the jaw. <laughs> but Satamora, ever defiant, getting back up. Oh, beautiful. The Saito suplex. And now Satamora's feeling it. Well, after three huge super kicks. Death Valley driver into the cover. Two. 
No. Well, you wonder what it's going to take to beat KD Ray. What kind of awesome move does it need Absolutely. to be? Absolutely. It's going to need to be something huge to put down the forever champion. As Satamura walks into a super kick. A beautiful snap and now setting up for the gory bomb. Bang. And that is it. Katie Ray, she's not finished there. Well, she doesn't believe it would be enough to put Miko down. She climbs up top. Sent on bomb. One, two. No. Miko getting a shoulder up at two. Two. I think Katie Ray can believe it. You can see the look in her face. What's it going to take to put the final boss away? And Katie Ray seems to be crying. Well, I think she's getting frustrated. She knew her finishing move, the gory bomb, wasn't going to be enough. She put an exclamation point on it with the top rope dive, but still not enough. Well, if you can't bean and she's still the champion, then maybe she's got an idea in her head to just get take the title. Maybe it's clever for the champion. Well, quit while you're ahead, I think. Well, you still walk out of the gold. You had a hell of a fight. The ref's trying to get her back into the ring. He doesn't want to count her out. Miko's now outside as well. Okay, that was a weapon. Of course she would. <laughs> Miko ducks it though. Death Valley driver on the outside. That must have driven the wind out of the lungs of Kaylee. Well, she can hardly move right now, and Satamore's got all the momentum. Is it false count anywhere? Nope. The referee's making the count though. And Kaylee's reign. Kaylee Ray's reign. They have been in more serious trouble right now, but always clever rolling back out. Uh, trying to give herself a bit more time to recover. Pulls Satamora outside with her. Oh, now Kaylee Ray with a gory bomb. On the oh. edge of the apron. <laughs> if there's ever a way to take a move, that's not the nicest way. Oh, <laughs> uh, Splatamora as it was there. And Kaylee Ray rolls her in. Hoping for the cover. Two. No. Miko kicking out. Uh -huh. Well, Kaylee Ray is going to have a full-scale breakdown. She's tried every way to win this matchup. Just kick the referee in the bollocks, and maybe that's what's left. I think that's what you know, I was <laughs> going to say. Kick me kind of... <laughs> yeah. Well, now we're going to have a gory bomb, and this will be it. No, Satamora with the backdrop. Well, Satamora was going to go up. Kaylee Ray rolling away, though. Satamora changes corner. And a palm strike there by Kaylee Ray. We've seen that before from her, and it is a vicious strike. I'm trying to superplex, but Miko stopping her. Clubbing blows to the back. Oh, my God. Sunset oh. flip powerbomb. One, two. two. No. Only uh, a two count. Two. I know we say uh, Kaylee Ray's the forever champion. This match might go on forever. Yeah, this might be the forever match. <laughs> Has he got a time limit? <laughs> well, Miko's certainly been for a war. Kaylee Ray's certainly been for a war. And we're still not finished. Oh, now the kicks for Miko. And straight in submission. Kaylee rolling through. But Miko straight back on. Relentless. And Kaylee Ray in all sorts of trouble now. And will the champion. It, what a great way though to go out. Not pinned, not submitted, passing out. Well, she manages to fall, draping her arm over the ropes. I don't think I've seen a match where more ways of trying to win. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they have. Both of them have tried everything they've got. And now Miko building momentum to just finish this one off. Kaylee Ray looks like she's dead on her feet. A oh. Pele kick <laughs> straight to the face. Kaylee Ray can barely stand. <laughs> well, no. Ray rolling through after the pin attempt. Oh, got her was... in a kind of reverse triangle. That was brilliant from Kaylee Ray. 
Miko rolling though, Kayleigh had to release the submission. Okay, or, there's two different ways to end the match there. <laughs> or get pinned and just a rolling leg kick. It's like a shiny wizard but with a heel. Oh, and Satamore now calling it. The last Death Valley driver. No, Satamore's not finished there. Kayleigh Ray ever defiant. Well, she's not even planted with that move. And Satamore now firing herself up. Got Kayleigh Ray in a step up ass axe kick. One. Two, three. Amiko Satamora is your new NXT UK Women's Champion. The 149 day, the 649 day reign is now over. And for me, no one could deserve it more. I mean, just everything she's done in her career for it to wind up like this is absolutely perfect. What a performance from both women. What a match and what a story told. Not only... For a 649-day reign. But like I said, in this matchup, there was stuff that I don't think I've ever seen before. Amiko Satamora still can't <laughs> believe it. She's like, what, free? <laughs> she doesn't know if to celebrate or not. She's not been handed the title just yet. I think they're looking at VAR. <laughs> um, we've got it up on the big screen here. Really? Yes, her shoulders were down for the entire free count. We do have a new women's champion. Well, Miko Satamora, take a bow. The final boss now tastes WWE gold for the very first time. What an amazing matchup. Will you see a better women's match this month anywhere? Um, absolutely not. No, it's going to be, you know, certainly up there for a match of the year candidate for me, definitely. Uh, both women out of their skin. And both so many different innovative ways to try and end the match as opposed to just going for their finisher straight up, you know, and then going for a super finisher. It's, you know, they're trying all different ways, submission, pin attempts, different finishing moves. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, And, yeah, you know, credit to both women during this match. Absolute tore the house down. Right. uh, Katie Ray, if you want to stay next to UK, if you want to go anywhere else, you can do what you want. But for now, we have got... A new champion in town as Satamora celebrates. And what a moment there. Oh, look, the celebration. The ribbons. But they come at the end of the show, James, where they're not going to interfere with anything else. Is that acceptable? I like that because what a celebration for Satamora. Like we said, first time round, coming up short and travelling all that way and now finally getting accustomed and comfortable and being the NXT UK Women's Champion. What a moment. And what a match. And what UK. This is what you're missing out if you're not watching it. All right, so we'll move on to our next episode, June 17th. Andy Shepard and Nigel McGuinness welcome fans to NXT UK. We kick things off with a slugfest between Sam Gradwell and Wolfgang. You yogurt. Well, coming down the ring, Sam Gradwell has a microphone in hand and compares himself to one of the three little pigs whose house was built of bricks. He says Wolfgang won't be able to blow his house down in this matchup today. Yogurt! You yogurt! Well, onto the match. If you favour a, 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 a blistering exchange of rights and lefts over catches, can submission holes, this was about for you. In the encounter between the two, the toughest competitors on the brand, Wolfgang Sam Gregor traded fist, forearms, and elbows with reckless abandon from the opening bell until the final free count. And although Gradwell barked at his opponent on his march to the ring and during the match itself, the last King of Scotland, nevertheless, bashed the thunderstorm headbutt and nearly speared him out of his boots to earn the win, despite wearing a battle wound above his left eye. So I guess this was a test for Gallus 
as a face. I mean, behind Walter, there's Sharandar and Gradwell as best hills for me. This was hard hitting and a nice finish. And they get the hill sign of respect as well at the end. Yes, a new era for the women's division has begun after Miko Satomura dethroned the longest reigning women's champion, Kaylee Ray. Several female wrestlers from NXT UK and applaud the final boss's efforts and look forward to seeing who she puts the title on the line for in the future. Well, backstage, NXT UK Tag Team Champions pretty deadly interrupt subculture and Jenny and Joseph Connors' exchange. And our next match is Kenny Williams versus Danny Jones. Well, not too many competitors would like the embrace uh, would embrace a nickname like the Scum of the Earth, but Kenny Williams isn't just any NXT UK superstar. After ruthlessly attacking his longtime partner Amir Jordan in a loser leaves NXT UK match several weeks ago, Williams as arrogant as ever and his cockiness was on full display in his matchup with Danny Jones. Jones struck Williams with a wicked enziguri and had his opponent reeling, but the scum of the earth took Jones out at the knee and picked up the win with bad luck. Well, it was an okay match. This was going to extend its squash. Kenny looked for bigger and better things, and it was announced that Rampage Brown, Joe Coffey and I, Dragonfall Clash with a triple threat match. Next week, all three men sit down together, talk a little smack. This was awesome. And then the Supernova Session segment with Jordan Devlin. Well, before bringing Jordan Devlin on, Noam Dar shows off his new haircut and wardrobe. He also announces that he has a new T-shirt that fans can purchase on the WWE shop. Then he welcomes the Irish Swede. Well, Sporting Shades and the Scout, Jordan Devlin and Jordan Dar. The host is very impressed with Devlin's new look. They talk about their fashion sense for a moment before Dar gives Devlin his new design T-shirt. As Dar asked Devlin how it was going to the United States, Devlin said he was honoured to appear on NXT, but he's so happy to be in the UK. Dar believes Devlin was cheap for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Devlin agrees by saying he'll be back for the title again soon. Well, Devlin takes over the show by announcing an exclusive message. Devlin tells everyone in the back if they have the guts to fight him, all they have to do is go looking for his dressing room. Devlin thanks Dar for having him on, and he leaves. Dar promotes his new T-shirt before his segment ends. Yeah, I mean, Dar has never been nicer to it. But where will Devlin fit? We asked about this next week, uh, last week. We'll wonder where he goes. Also set for next week, TMN will square off against Oliver Carter. Well, at the UK Performance Centre, Dave Mastiff is talking to the production crew while watching the Heritage Cup champion Tyler Bate and Jack Stars practice in the ring. Bate offers to put his title on the line for Stars. Stars politely declines the offer at the moment, thinking he isn't fully ready for it. Mastiff tells Stars to rethink that division. Mastiff will beat the piss out of Stars if that ever happens, and Dave sounds like Noddy Holder as well as Bruce Chris. <laughs> You right, sir. Oh, you should take that title match. Yeah, you should take it and you should Shoot. boot him for this title. It's Christmas! It'll be fucking brilliant. Uh, up next, oh, sorry, up next, Nathan Fraser versus Rahan Raja. Nathan Fraser entered his bout against Raja, having won five of his last six singles matches and he looked to keep the good times rolling. Raja returned from a gruesome arm injury. Touch it in there, gruesome ma. At the hands of Tillman, seemed to be supporting a newfound intensity in his first bout back, which was highlighted by a pop-up powerbomb that yielded a long two count. Two! Unfortunately for Raja, his spirited effort was all for naught when Frazier landed a headbutt and a beautiful frog splash for the one, two, three. Well, the superstar exchanged nods of respect, but they were interrupted with an eye, possibly out of Tillman's appearance. So it looks like he is looking for them. Backstage, Jordan Devon is furious that A-Kid is in his room. And now the main event, Subculture versus Joseph Connors and Ginny. Since forming Subculture several weeks ago, Mark Andrews and Webster Morgan Flash and Danny Luna have been seeking a signature victory. 
and they earned one when Webster and Luna took on Joseph Connors and Ginny. As NXT UK tag teams pretty deadly offered their unique perspectives on the combatants from the announce table, has blistered Webster with a series of strikes, but Luna claimed the upper hand for her squad when she took down Ginny with an assortment of suplexes. With, with, <coughs> with Webster and Connors at the ringside area, Luna began effortlessly flinging the fashionista around the ring. The men soon rejoined the action, and while Luna hurled Connors out of the ring, Ginny took advantage by landing a DDT on Luna, who barely kicked out. Uh-huh. Subculture claimed the win when Luna clocked Ginny with a kick and Webster landed a picture-perfect 450 splash to pin Connors. Yeah, I mean, this was a nice finish. I'm not really so sure on Subculture just yet. Not really developed, but I'm going to give him time. Morgan Flash has worked on bodies, looking ripped now, but only Dan looks more. And uh, this is an OK main event to an OK show, but I cannot wait for next week. So let's get to it, June 24th, and it's triple fret time. We're back at the BT Sports Studios in London with Nigel McGuinness and Andy Shepherd on call. And our first match is Mark Coffey, Shah Samuels, East. Well, Gallus have acknowledged that all three members are involved in a friendly competition in the singles ranks. And with Wolfgang defeating Sam Gradwell one-on-one last week, Coffey indeed kept pace by outlasting Shah Samuels in a slugfest. Samuels had Coffey reeling with a ring-rattling spinebuster, but the glue of Gallus fought through the pain to clobber his foe with a wicked kick to the head and an even more savage reverse elbow to the jaw to get the victory. Shah may be the loudest wrestler. And he's talking about McFoley with it. Hey, yeah, but Shah, everything. Every time he gets it, gaze, gaze, gaze. Uh, hard-hitting matchup. Not pretty, but effective. Mark looks okay, I suppose. And after the match, Coffee held up both of his index fingers to signify that he and Wolfgang each have a recent win in singles about and with Joe Coffey set to compete for the NXT UK Championship triple threat match in the main event this is just the start of an enormous night for Gallus. Rampage Brown is doing push-ups backstage and then Amelia McKenzie is being interviewed about Miko Satamora only for Isla Dawn to wander up and mess around with the lights. Amelia just walks off and I guess they'll face off next week probably. Uh, at the UK Performance Centre we're introduced to Mila whose interview is erupted by the lights going out and Alfie Valkyrie doing stuff in the ring. Ginny walks by too to berate Mila, and I guess we've two matches there. She was later named as Mila Schmidt, who has had a few matches around Europe. I mean, don't have the fucking segments back-to-back. And why have the lights going out? It's just, that is simple stuff. And usually we're really nice to NXT UK, but I had to point that one out. Because like I said, I'll call anything that I see. I'll call, we'll call anything. Uh, up next, Stevie Turner versus Laura DiMatteo. And Stevie Turner clearly didn't want for sportsmanship. She spent a good chunk of a match mocking Laura DiMatteo, first laughing off her early attempts to match strength, and later flinging her neck first into the ropes and pulling her hair. DiMatteo showed her metal, and, uh, fighting back with a quick succession of blistering strikes and even escaping a submission hold. Turner nevertheless sidestepped her hard-charging opponent once again, yanked her to the canvas by her hair and drove her face first into the canvas for the win. Yeah, this was all about Stevie. It was a squash and looks like she may be a future challenger. It's a good-looking finisher as well. And then we see Gallus celebrating and preparing backstage. Then we go to the PC as Nathan Fraser's doing drills. He's interrupted by Kenny Williams, who's challenged him to a match. Blair Davenport has signed a contract with NXT UK. This may or may not be or... 
may not be be Priestley. Yeah, Tyler Bate tells us he wants to defend the Heritage Cup against Jack Stars, but Jack doesn't feel he deserves his shot. Stars recalls all the failed tryouts he had, but he's keep pushing on. Apparently, that's what he feels now qualifies him for the match. Stirring underdog stuff, but I don't know if Tyler's the right guy opposite him for this story. We'll find out. Uh, yeah, uh, Tierman versus Oliver Carter via submission. They got the victory there then. Uh, arguably the most frightening and downright creepy competitor in NXT UK. Tierman proved why he is indeed to be feared both between the bells and long after the show concludes. Carter started the match like he was fired out of a cannon, unloading on Tierman with several sift punches before la- launching himself over the top rope and wiping out his foe on the ringside floor. Vicious as ever, Tierman planted Carter with a tornado DDT, and when Carter kicked out, uh-huh. Tierman immediately transitioned into a crossface to force the tap out. With Carter in dire straits and again ensnared in Tierman's crossface after the bell. Yeah, Rowan Raja dashed into the square circle, presumably to help Carter, but uh, he didn't, and he actually started beating up Carter. Yeah, he followed him to the backstage area, seemingly pledging his allegiance to the same man who snapped his arm several weeks ago. So are we going to see a tag team or a lackey? I don't sure, I'm not sure, but I like Tierman, and this was a good match. A-Kid's got a sit-down promo as he's still sore over losing the Heritage Cup to Tyler Bate. But he challenged Jordan Devlin last week and we get that match next week. Also next week, Tyler Bate defends the Heritage Cup against Jack Stars, who'll be hoping to earn his stripes and Miko Satamora's back as well. Yeah, but right now it's main event time. Our Dragonoff versus Joe Coffey versus Rampage Brown in a triple threat match. Um, it only makes sense to have these three who come so close to beating Volta go for a match with championship implications. So, Dan, this is just going to be incredible, isn't it, with these three men involved? Uh, absolutely. It's certainly going to be a hard-hitting affair. Who are you going to go for? I'm thinking Ia Dragunov for me. Well, he's the biggest man in the match, isn't he? So, I think, yeah, Ia's going to definitely get the job done, even though Brown and Coffey have got their own problems with each other, both at one apiece. But Brown now starts off with Coffey. How now, Brown now? <laughs> Brown... <laughs> Gets backdrop and I come running in with a knee. Like I said, this should be fast and furious. Absolutely, yeah. And Coffee getting beaten down in the corner. Dragunov looking to plant him. Well, maybe looking for a German suplex, but Coffee blocking. And Joe Coffee, like I said, has got a lot to prove in this one as well. Not stepping up at certain points. Now is the time as he sends the eye into the corner. It's the uppercut go Brown, but gets caught with a boot. Wow. <laughs> Dragunov looking to jump over or looking for that. Flying headbutt or something, but gets caught by Brown and just slammed into the mat. And he turns his attention to Coffey. He reverses an Irish whip. Belly to belly overhead, though. Lovely. Oh, incredible stuff there from Joe Coffey. His eye now with a knee to the face. Well, whoever wins this match is certainly going to be a, a good challenger for Walter. Well, I think without doubt. I think, would you say the winner of this is number one contender? Because who, yeah. who else is there, you know? Yeah, there's not really anyone else. That's uh, kind of made themselves known at this moment in time. No, we've talked about Jordan Devlin, but again, he's come up short against Volta. All these three have come up, and it just shows you maybe Volta's right. Maybe he will be dominant for as long as he wants. We always thought Katie Ray was forever champion, but I guess it might be uh, Volta now. As I, it's just so vicious in what he does. It is obviously don't let him snap either. And Brown's got the power. <laughs> wow, throws Dragunov. To uh, Coffee, who then delivers a thunderous German, and that's the two big hosses. And they finally want to see one on one. Charging against each other like two big rams. Neither man given an inch, rampage with a huge drop kick. A man this size shouldn't be able to hit a drop kick like that. Ah, uh, but that was up and nice and on the button. And Coffee just p- 
picks up Rampage Brown like he's a like he's a child. Slams him into the corner, down to the mat, into locking the uh, the walls. Yeah, the uh, or the non AEW version of it. <laughs> and I now just getting back in the ring and just with big forearm shots to Joe Coffey as the intermission. And Coffey saying, "Bring it on, I like it." Who's going to be the first to give up, Coffey or Brown? Because he is not going to give up hitting someone. And I with the chop there, and Coffey seems to like it. A huge boot to the side of the head. Brown managing to fight out. Now I've got the arm of Joe Coffey and just working with the slaps to the the old slaps to the back of the uh, back of the chest, uh, back of the to the back, <laughs> to the back of back the body. Back to the back, yeah, back of the body. The back of the back is the front. The front of the back, then, and then Brown. Oh, Brown kind of getting involved in this chop fest, and then taking both men down with a huge clothesline. Well, Brown means business. There's no doubt about that. He's got Ivan in the suplex. He's got coffee as well. He can't do this, surely. Well, don't call me Shirley, but he <laughs> manages to power both Coffee and Dragunov over. We've seen two explosive bits of power from Rampage Brown in this matchup. Absolutely. I don't think there's going to be anything left for anyone to fight uh, Volta. We're trying to power by one Coffee, but Joe managing to block it first. Joe sending Brown over the top, crashing to the uh, wafer-thin mats outside. How thin are those mats now? Well, James, they're NXT UK mats, so they are actually thinner than paper. So now it's just left with Aya and Joe Coffey in the middle of the ring. And these three guys' styles, so varied. Oh, yeah, Dragunov, a few spinning back fists, one high, one low. And then just deadlifts Joe up. German suplex, bridges out. Oh, only a two. Two. That was incredible. That was, wasn't it? That's honestly like... Deadlifts, holds him there. <laughs> thunderous German, switching him over and then just puts it into a pin. And the arch on his body as well. I was going to say, the bridge that I took. The bridge that I took to get to the victory. And now he's looking to go up. No, I don't he... think he can manage it. I think he's... Uh, he don't want to risk any more injury to himself. He's just going to go cray-cray. But I is just tough son of a bitch, Dan. There's no doubt about that. Making Indeed. his way up top. Joe Coffey cuts him off, though. Huge running uppercut. Rampage has been quiet. We see him popping up in the opposite corner. He's using his veteran experience. Don't need to get involved. That's it. Let these two beat the snot out of each other and then pick up the bones. Just a wicked Samoan drop there by Brown. Iron on top. Oh, jumps over. Rampage hits Coffey. <laughs> Dragging off going all Matrix there. Ducking a clothesline. Hitting a lovely Enziguri. Oh, but Coffee finally caught Aya, and now Brown's got hold of him. <laughs> Slams Dragunov onto Coffee. Joe Coffee's taking a lot of punishment in this matchup. Yeah. He might be the new Johnny Gagano. Yeah. Oh, but Brown can't keep him down. Rampage certainly is looking one of the most dominant in this match, though. As he unloads on Dragunov, who responds with a chop. But I think that's just psyching ear up. Well, Rampage Brown might not want to do this. This might not be the best idea. No. And I think Joe knows what's about to happen as he's making his way out of the ring. <laughs> oh, just with a clothesline. The thing about I dragon off he's like the same size as Rampage Brown. Yeah. It's like that's his style. He wrestles like he's a six foot four, three <laughs> hundred pound bloke. I would say he's a new Crash Holly, but like he's just Yeah, if Crash Holly went insane, like that's what I <laughs> Dragonoff is basically right now. Well, Dragunov 619 and back in the ring, hitting a lovely clothesline to take out Rampage, and his hair's just standing on end. <laughs> what an absolute picture. Uh, Dragunov can feel momentum for him in this matchup. 
Coffee just run into a huge knee and Dragunov has snapped and that means bad news for them poor bastards in the ring. Well, it's now a handicap match. Yes, Dragunov versus all. (laughs) And Brown slowly getting up higher up to the top. Seated drop kick to Brown (laughs) off the top. Sends him crashing into the corner. Oh, Joe Coffey though with a huge spear tackle. Sends Dragunov into Brown. And maybe it will be Joe Coffey picking up the pieces. With Joe Coffey, his whole body. I mean, don't get me wrong, he had a good tan. But his whole body's red with the punishment that he's taken in this matchup. Brown finally getting away from uh, oh, Dragunov for a second. Well, not far enough though. He's back in the grasps. That was a crazy. What is Joe Coffey doing? <laughs> Springboards up to the top rope and just flies through the air. <laughs> takes out Dragunov and Brown. Oh, you're not going to see that everywhere, are you? A man his size. Well, it's not pretty, but it's effective. It's and it's giving him the upper hand. Okay, wow, well, man, he has got a tan, hasn't he? He really is tanned. Fair play, he goes to the same place as Pete Dunne. Is he on top now? And a beautiful drop kick flips Ayer inside out. Into the cover. Two. No. Ayer managing to kick out. Oh. And I checking the referee just saying, yeah, it's definitely two, isn't it? Yep, still in it. And Paige Brown must be biding his time on the outside again, waiting for the opportune moment to strike. I don't want to take off the action here, but as a referee just recently showed, uh, it just seems a different colour to the rest of his face. But He might like to wear a baseball cap, or it might be the light shining off. I don't want to be part of this great action as eyes down again. I can see Brown's arm in the distance. He's not looking good right now, and I just saying to Coffee, bring it, bitch. Well, I can see eyes face in the distance, and it doesn't look good for Coffee. Both men trading, it's unfair for Joe. <laughs> I was hitting coffee so hard that Rampage Brown is feeling it. Oh my god, both men trade there. Little back of his coffee saying you're mine now, but I uh, fighting and clawing his way. All he sees is Volta. Oh my huge god. clothesline. No, Rampage is back in. Charges coffee to the outside. I think coffee thought he had this match won. Until Rampage come in and broke it up. And now they just Two big men exchange on the outside. Oh, huge power slam. Rampage Brown there taking out Joe Coffey. Maybe this is going to leave it one-on-one for now. And Brown's going to see his moment. He came close at prelude. And I duke up, but... Can't stand up. Yeah, mine may be winning, but the body's broken down now. Well, it's been an issue for him throughout this match. But Dragunov doing everything he can to fight back. A few vicious knee strikes. In Seguri. Well, Brown's trying to block him, but he's just too quick. Bang. <laughs> he's overpowering Rampage Brown. A man nearly twice his size. Oh, my God. He's German. Doesn't release. After a couple of punches to the face, Dragunov still doesn't release his grip and manages to deliver a second German. Going to hit the hat-trick. No, Page. Uh, Ramp pulls him back in the corner. But Dragunov straight back on the back of Brown. Desperately looking for that third, but Coffee's in. And Joe Coffee looking to German. Oh, yeah, now Brown's going to hit Coffee. Well, Brown goes to the back of the queue. German's Coffee, who German's dragging off. And that might be Ayer out of this matchup. Well, Rampage managing, managing to pick up both competitors is a feat in itself. When he just throws them over the head like a sack of potatoes, you know, you've got a problem as well. As Brown went for the kick, but Coffee managing to move. Gets Rampage up on his shoulders. Looking for an electric chair, perhaps. Literally him down. But can't take advantage. Coffee's hurt himself. Brown is up before Joe. All three men. Oh, all three men desperate to make it to their feet. 
It looked like Coffey was going to hit Brown, but it was I with the strike. Yeah, I think he hit Coffey's arm into Brown, didn't he? I think Brown survived it. He looked around and said, how the fuck did I get out of that? Gut wrench powerbomb. One, two, no. Dragunov just in time to break it up. Well, that would have been over the Dr. Bombs, one of Brown's favourite moves. And now he's looking maybe to hit Iowa with it and finish things. To escape. Dodger Lariat, can he build some momentum? Bang the springboard headbutt off the second. One, two, three. Yeah, gets the job done. And the man we wanted to win picks up the victory against Rampage Brown and Joe Coffey. Yeah, but man, what an incredible match that was. Absolutely. All three guys certainly gave it their all. Again, you weren't waiting around for spots. It was kind of organic, free flowed. You can spot Rampage lurking in the background a couple of moments, but you could put that down to his veteran ability, just taking a breather while these other two beat the snot out of each other. But absolutely great match and brilliant performance again from Ear Dragunov. He certainly is the face of NXT UK for me. Oh, without a doubt, you can see this performance um, is unbelievable. And uh, maybe I would disagree a little bit there because there's no doubt Ear Dragunov is one of the best things in NXT UK without a shadow of a doubt. But for the face, I think Volta as 800 plus day champion, like we talk about, is the Darth Vader. So the question is now, can I, is he our only hope? Is he the Luke Skywalker that is going to finally battle him? And will Volta end up being his father? That is a question that we will find out here in NXT UK. NXT UK. But like I said, an incredible match and all credit to Aya Dragunov. Absolutely. You can see how happy he is with the victory. Yeah, but that that side is giving him some jip. But he managed to pull through with grit and determination. Well, he's still... Like I said, he's still... Uh-oh. Oh. Wait, wait a well, minute. Well, uh, off. he's barely able to get to his feet. I don't think I knows that. The man he's challenging for his title. Well, the man that he's seen well, in Well, his... he senses Ross James. The, the man he's seen in his dreams every night since losing the NXT Championship, is now standing above him and saying, you want the title? You won't take this off me. Or the leader of Imperium. If he dies, he dies. And a slap heard round the world there, knocking Aya down. And Volta just standing there. I don't think he's finished yet. Oh, my goodness. Locks in that devastating submission to a battered and beaten down Ia Dragunov. And just puts him to sleep after that incredible victory. Well, this is not going to help Aya Dragunov whatsoever. When you well, no, th- James. This isn't going to help Volta because that's just going to piss Dragunov off even more. Well, you, again, I understand he's getting it, but the whole reason he's like that is because Volta, and Volta is his guy that maybe stops him in his tracks. That is his mental problem at the moment and the one guy that you build momentum you beat those two big men you think finally i can have a chance to sell it in my own ways and then that happens that is a statement sent there so it'll be unbelievable to see what happens as we move on to our last episode of nxt uk yes it's july the first and we're stevlin versus akid andy shepherd and nigel mcginnis welcome us Welcome fans to NXT UK and we kick things off with the first women's match scheduled for today's show. Yeah, our first match is Amelia McKenzie versus Isla Dawn. Dan, you got excited because Devlin and Akid is of course the main event for tonight's NXT UK. And we've seen bad blood has been brewing between McKenzie and Dawn for several months. And a bit of rivals wasted no time renewing the hostilities, meeting one another and trading fist at the toll of the bell. 
Mackenzie, who was defeated by Dawn when they battled one-on-one in April, got sweet redemption when she dropped her opponent with a German suplex and connected with a wicked double knee to the... Despite suffering a loss, Dawn sat up in a corner and smiled and laughed as Mackenzie exited. This was really competitive stuff, but Dawn starts challenging the evil spirits that live inside her as she wraps her hands around Mackenzie's face. Is she more powerful than Bliss? This is what we've got to ask ourselves. We look back on last week's main event that saw Ia Dragunov qualify for another shot at the NXT UK Championship. And then backstage, Mark Coffey has something up his sleeve and Wolfgang is going to find out what it is. We'll come back from a quick break, Tyler Bate. We'll put his Heritage Cup Championship on the line his first title defence versus Jack Stars. And Jack looked right at home during the gruelling collision. Nevertheless, the big strong boy landed the first significant blow 37 seconds into round two using a unique pinning combination. 1-0 advantage. Stars kept his composure, however, versus Bates' airplane spin to perform one of his own for clobbing Bate with an uppercut for a near fall in round three. Moments later, Stars got the best of an exchange with pin attempts, turned the 1-2-3 and Tyler match at 1-1. In round four, Bate fought his way out of a Boston Crab and suddenly caught fire, blistering his foe with several strikes, a clothesline, a kick to the back of the neck and a Tyler Driver 97 for the decisive pinfall. After the match, Mark Coffey hit the ring to applaud Bate, though he soon smacked him in the face before escaping from the ring and congregating with Wolfgang, Wolfgang near the entranceway. Yeah, I mean, Stars has been a jobber and Piper Niven's helping him of course he's been called up so let's hope they continue his story but even to get one fall over Tyler Bate is a massive deal you can see the, the disappointment in Bate's face when he got beaten in that time uh, Bate's only 24 he's had Trent with him at ringside could there be a turn eventually Dan? I don't know you know I'd like to see something different I'd like to see him change it up I'd like to see what Bate could do when he's really unleashed as well. I'll be right there. Gallus will be next for them. And now, a new era begins. The new NXT UK Women's Champion, Miko Satomura, is here to address the WWE Universe. She begins her speech by saying what a big win this was for her, and she's proud to call NXT UK a new home. All of a sudden, Nina Samuels' music hits. Samuels comes out and issues a challenge for the title. Amale comes out and blindly attacks Samuels. She says no one wants more of Nina. She isn't out to congratulate Miko Satomura either. Amale wants a shot at a title and Satomura accepts it right after knocking her out with a punch. Well, Nina went on and on and on, but it looks like Miko is a fighting champion. UK just so damn multicultural. Backstage, Joe Coffey and Rampage Brown are still trying to cover for their colossal main event last week. We hear from Blair Davenport, B Priestley, the former Stardom star, is here in XUK. This is is huge and up next reforge Aoife Valkyrie looks to score a victory from a major upset major upset against the new NXT UK Women's Champion Miko Satamora Aoife Valkyrie versus Mila Schmidt well Schmidt briefly staggered Valkyrie with a belly to belly suplex that yielded a two count two but Valkyrie recovered and earned the win with a top rope leg drop after the bow, Valkyrie locked eyes in an intense stare down with Ginny, who had helped herself to a bet from the entranceway in the middle of the match. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Eva impressed me in defeat to Miko, and can definitely stake a claim uh, for the women's title run. Schmidt did okay, and in a great vignette promo, Kenny Williams has an important message for Nathan Frazier. These two are set to score in a match-up soon. After a verbal confrontation on today's show, Trent Seven and Eddie Dennis will collide in singles action next week. And now it is the main event. Two of NXT UK's best hybrid wrestlers will square off to determine who's the best at what they do. Yes, it's Jordan Devlin versus A-Kid. So here we go, A-Kid versus Jordan Devlin. Now, 
Dan, before I tell you how Jordan Devon has impressed me, how's Aiken impressed you since you've start, seen him at the start of the year? Um, well, the Heritage Cup, I think he's kind of done really well. His uh, series of matches against uh, Tyler Bate, you know, kind of his mentor and he's, you know, him getting the eventual victory over him was great and, uh, you know, dropping it to the man who taught him everything he knew. Yeah, he certainly impresses me in in the ring. Um especially with Heritage Cup rules as well. Yeah, I think uh, the thing with Jordan Devlin for me, uh, of course, won the Cruiserweight Championship last year at Wells Collide, but because of, obviously, the travel restrictions, couldn't put the title on the line, went to Santos Escobar, still stepped up, went over to America, faced uh, Escobar at takeover in a ladder match, and yeah, he might not came out on top, but he had the guts to go over there and try his best. And now he's back because he says the UK's his home, and he wants to prove. And the great thing is, since he's been away... Aikid now has stepped into that void and said, oh, let me have the opportunity. So this is all about who they think is actually the better technical wrestler. Who would you say is better technically? Because you obviously know Devlin quite well and Aikid. Um, you know, I'm very like Aikid. I think he's still got a lot to learn. I think Jordan Devlin, he's he's been in the game a bit longer. You know, he knows a bit more. I think he's been around a bit. So currently at the moment, Jordan Devlin, but Aikid certainly has a potential to become the best technical wrestler in NXT UK without a shadow. Yeah, but I think we've seen that with performances against Tyler Bate. Yeah, and everything that Aikid can bring. So I think he's been quite impressive uh, as well. There's no doubt about this man's got a, a huge career ahead. We talk about maybe promos. Aikid might lack a little doubt in the confidence of Jordan Devlin and what he says is... Absolutely not, no, you know, and uh, we've had the pleasure of seeing him live and meeting him as well. Well, this is the thing about Devlin, that he, he always backs himself, you know. We talked about him when he started off being maybe too close to Finn Balor or similar in that way, and Devlin's trying to create his own path, which is, you know, very respectable from that and see if he can build success. But like I said, if he's come back, then what's he want? Does he want the Heritage Cup? Is he interested in Tyler Bate? Or is he looking at Volta or Iron Dragon off and thinking, I'll take the win of that when I'm ready? Yeah, you know, um, I think with uh, Jordan Devlin, is his potential is limitless. You know, he can go and turn his hand to whatever he wants, you know, maybe even challenge the winner of Volta and Dragunov. You know, that would be a, a huge match for Devlin to compete in and earn his way to it. What do you think would be best? Where, where would you want to see Devlin? Because obviously... Heritage Cup. I think him and uh, Tyler Bate could have some great matches. A-Kid, you know, triple threat Heritage Cup match. But these exchanges between these two are absolutely brilliant at the moment. Like they've knuck- they've been in a Roman knuckle lock for a while, and just exchanging moves eventually led with a kid getting dumped over the top by uh, Devlin. Well, that was beautifully connected there, and as an a kid trying to out wrestle Devlin, and uh, Jordan showing him the way to the barricade. And that's what's thing. The only thing lacking with a kid at the moment is just experience, isn't it? And like that's what Devlin's grown over the past couple of years because of it. That's that's the thing, though. But James, how do you get experience in something by doing it? That's what I'm saying. And we know he was, you know, before the lockdown and all this kind of stuff. We know he was definitely was going around different. We we saw him in a, you know, place around Britain. He was going there, getting his experience. Indeed, yeah. But do you think he should be showboating to uh, the Thunder? Well, I think Devlin is extremely confident and I think his demeanour and I think that's helped him out in recent times as well I think he's believing in himself but, I think that helps but do you think Devlin would have been uh, kind of concentrating on what A-Kid's been up to since he's been gone you know kind of having that heritage cup having great matches with Bate having great you know great matches in NXT UK on the whole I think Devlin's been looking on it's like Pete Dunne you know it's, it's still it's like even when you move away you still check your team you know and I think this is the thing 
where they're looking at it and they're thinking, right, who's going to be next? And, and you know, it wouldn't be if Jordan Devon just come back and a kid stepped up. That's no surprise for Jordan Devon. That's probably what he wanted. He wants to lay a marker down and go, oh, you think a kid's been impressive this past six months? Well, I'm back now and this is what I'm about, you know? Yeah. So, um, I I've mean, been to America. Exactly. I've, I've come back. I've still got a massive head, but I'm going to beat Aikid. Like, that's this yeah. kind of plan. My body still hasn't caught up with my head. It will do eventually one day. Is Aikid now? Yeah, he's definitely going to grow into his head. <laughs> but the thing is, is Jordan Devlin teaching Aikid a lesson? Is Aikid got too big for his bridges? Well, is Aikid learning? It seems like the submissions he's using and the stuff he's doing on him, it just seems to be mocking him a little bit, like we mentioned earlier with the taunting. Yeah, but with regardless of what... Um... You know, Devlin may know and Devlin may think he knows. You know, A-Kid learns. And, you know, if, and if, you're, if you're learning stuff, you're learning on the job and you're learning, right, you know, he likes to do this submission. However, right, next time he tries it, I'll do this. You know, so you're kind of learning on the job. Well, I think it's difficult um, place for A-Kid to be in at the moment if Devlin kind of wants to take it out of him because A-Kid's just trying to fight off now. That's a beautiful drop kick. Can you see with... Devlin, he's kept the pace deliberately slow, but as soon as Aikid's back in, it's fired up, it's bang, look, running towards him, huge kick in the corner, not a wasted motion, you know, chucking him back to the centre of the ring. And that's Devlin using his experience there, catching himself on the ropes, but Aikid using the arm, ringing it across that top rope there. That's what he said with the learning aspect there, Aikid, but again... Well, Devlin springboarding over the top with a cutter. And this is the problem. If you give Devlin too long, he will hit you. He will hurt you. And that's it. Yeah, that huge Swede is hiding a huge brain. Without doubt, that's part of it, you know. It's, it's, it's like Modoc. This has got that kind of, you know, intelligence about him. That's what makes him so dangerous. And you think if he was to pull it up on a consistent level, this is what it's about with Aikid. That's what he's learned as well, to do it consistently. And as Aikid, then again, is such a... Quick, even one of the quickest guys in. Oh, lovely fisherman suplex. Bridging out, but only a two. Two. And Aikid now, will he be getting frustrated in this matchup? Or will he know what Devlin brings? Has he, no, did, I think, he I think, um, I think Devlin will be getting more frustrated than Aikid will. Because, like, you know, Devlin's coming into this, the cocky little shit. You know, I think, yeah, I'm the best in this uh, kind of area. And now, you know, Aikid's holding his own against him. He's like, well. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose... That's what he's finding that now is Devlin fighting Aikid up from the submission into a suplex. But Aikid turning it into a pin attempt. Devlin turning it into a pin. Well, oh, yeah, Devlin rolling through. Aikid nipping up to his feet, getting catching Devlin. <laughs> nipping up and catching someone with the suplex. But the standing moonsault there just gets knees to the gut. I think technical. Oh, now, nice Irinagi there by Devlin. Well, I think he was going to try and show A-Kid how it's done, but he gets caught in a triangle and a bit of joint manipulation. And Devlin's in trouble, getting tangled up there. But now the Irish, Irish ace managing to roll to the ropes to get a break. A-Kid now has got Devlin right where he needs him. But I think A-Kid might realise how tough Devlin actually is. A forearm shot. Devlin responds with an elbow of his own. Trying to get some space, but that opens up the opportunity for the kicks from A-Kid. I think Devlin's temporarily blinded as he gets caught by Aikid. Devlin with a shoulder throw, though. But relentless Aikid just comes straight back. And if Devlin goes out, this will be a huge victory for Aikid. But I think the arm was injured, so he couldn't fully put Devlin out. But he's set up now for the kick. No, Devlin catches him with a Spanish fly. Absolutely phenomenal to use his own momentum against him. 
But now, just as Devlin thought it was time to strike. Ray Kid with a submission in. He's got the arm. He's got a lot one way, but Devlin's trying to fight this. Can he get to the bottom rope? Hands off, feet. Anything will do. And he manages to get a tiptoe to it. How close was that? Now, both men just trading. And it looks like maybe A Kid will have the advantage as they both get up, but as I say that, it looks like Devlin's strikes got more into them. Yeah. There's a lot more venom behind Devlin's strikes. But if A-Kid hits three or four of his ones... And they'll just... <laughs> both men just wow, trading. A-Kid blocking everything Devlin threw at him, hitting a huge shot of his own. Oh. Superman punch nearly got the job done, but Devlin managing to kick out. Oh. A great exchange now. And A-Kid trying to build momentum in this matchup, get the job done. And a huge kick to the arm. Of course, he's been targeted with a submission. He's just too quick now for Devlin. Oh, snap German suplex. Just driving all the air out of Devlin's lungs. Well, Devlin looks like he's been in a war here tonight. He's desperately trying to fight. Second German. <laughs> I think people like going for the trivector of Germans. Well, to be fair, we've seen Aya Dragunov do it last episode. And now, A-Kid, can he do it? No. Nipping up. Getting oh. caught with a huge head. Headbutt. <laughs> well, Devlin now, can he take advantage? No, A-Kid's going to fly. Takes out Devlin, draping him across the barricade. And now referee can't. This might be it. Both men down. A-Kid put his body on the line there, taking out Jordan Devlin. And trying everything in his power to get him back in the ring. But Devlin holding on to the ropes. And that sprang right into A-Kid's face. Dirty there by the Irish ace. Well, it's using your environment, knowing where you are. And he's getting some steel steps into this. Does he realise he can't beat him straight up? He's got the arms trying to Irish whip. Devlin, Devlin manages to jump over the stairs. Oh, and then kicks the stairs into the hip or the upper thigh of A-Kid. Devlin rolls back in to break the ref's count. Now, if you're going to use the stairs with a knee on there. Oh. And you would think that's a disqualification, really. Well, no, Devlin's just throwing A-Kid to the ground. It just so happens that there's a set of still steps actually between him and the ground. I just hope people who watch Hell in a Cell when Ray Ripley used the bit of announce table to hit Charlotte for the DQ are not watching that now because otherwise, you know, WWE could be in a bit of trouble with consistent calling in matches. But, of course, we are another country here. Is Devlin now looking to finish A-Kid? English rules. Referee's discretion. Referee's discretion. It is NXT UK. As we've got the wow, Irish man. Devlin looking to <laughs> set A-Kid up, but... Getting caught, but A-Kid's knee... But A-Kid might, might have one last defiant strike in him. Can he put Devlin away? No, Devlin catches the leg of A-Kid, turns it around. Now we've seen the submission before. So like a Texas cloverleaf, isn't it? Irish. The Irish cloverleaf. <laughs> the Irish lucky leaf. Defileaf clover. And A-Kid struggling to get to that bottom rope. Scratching and clawing, managing to get his hand on the bottom rope. Devlin trying to drag him to the middle of the ring, but getting caught. And A-Kid now with a submission. We couldn't get it all in earlier, but now... He's got it in him. He's got that left arm wrenching it. No, his leg. Causing him too much trouble. So he's fixed it, trying to get to a cross arm breaker. Devlin turns it around. He's manipulating that knee. Oh, oh my Hyper extended the knee of A-Kid. Oh, my Jesus Christ. A tap out there. Oh, wow. wow, shit. Devlin... Talk about sending a message. Dan, what are your thoughts on that matchup? Absolute brilliant match again between these two guys. You you couldn't have called it like, you know, it could have gone to either man. Both men would have certainly deserved a victory. 
and uh, you'd been happy with either man getting it. But yeah, great match between these two guys. Well, their leg getting snapped back like that as well was incredible stuff. And the doctors are coming out. We saw Tierman snap, snap an arm a few weeks ago. I think that was even worse. We're in serious trouble now. Hopefully, he can make a speedy recovery. And Jordan Devlin, that's not just a victory. That's a statement sent to the rest of the division, whether it be Volta or Tyler Bate or whoever else is watching on. Uh, so that's it now. What Dan, what have you thought of NXT UK this month? Um, it's not been as on its high pulse as it has been recently, but there have been a few good standout matches, a few good standout moments. Um, you know, I can't wait to see Volta back in action again. I think that's going to be great. And just seeing what Miko, who stands up to Miko Satamora as well. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. Next time out, Pretty Deadly will be in action, Dan. Uh, so that should be fun. And our Jagaloff might have a response for Volta as well. Uh, don't forget, across all social media, Twitter at the WNR Podcast. I'm at Lee WNRJR. Uh, Dan, what is your Twitter? I'm at WNR Dan. Uh, we are WNR on Instagram, of course, all the Google platforms. Send us an email, the WNR Podcast at gmail.com and YouTube, the WNR Podcast. For all the latest clips and podcasts, at the same time on YouTube as do SoundCloud. On your phone. Also Spotify and iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. So that is it. Our next episode, Dan is pulling the treble. He will be joining us for AEW Dynamite. I bet you are so excited for that one. I can't wait, James. You know how much I love the AEW. But until then, I have been Jay's Vernon, and I was joined by... Dan White. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. Bye.